Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's essential like your breakfast It will get you up and going Learn some things you didn't know Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Give you energy like buck fast And if your head's in a pickle Or you're looking for a giggle It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Yeah Good evening and welcome It is indeed the Keith Walsh Podcast it's Thursday evening. The date is the 15th of the 10th. In layman's terms, that is the 15th of the te- October. Um, October 2020. We are in the year of COVID 2020. If you're listening to this in the future, I hope all is well. I hope um, things are good in your world. Um, and we are in... What did the government announce COVID-wise? Okay, so we're in stage, we're still at level three, which means we're kind of locked down. You shouldn't go to work if you don't have to. Uh, If you can work from home, basically do. And what else? Oh, you're not allowed to visit other people in their homes, I think. Maybe you're allowed to have a pod, I'm not sure. Uh, I think the rule really is not to visit other people in their homes at the moment. Schools are open. Restaurants are open for takeaway. And uh, are bars open? Bars can't be open, can they? Hey, listen, I don't know what's going on anymore. I haven't been to a bar in... 10... Well, I've been to bars, but not many. And I haven't had a drink, an alcoholic drink, in 10 months. I think I might have picked the right year to take a break from the booze. Seems like it might have been a good decision... Although I am at the stage now where I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'd love a point. But not like, it's not like I'm craving the alcohol. It's just to sit in a bar, up at a bar, and have a nice creamy point of Guinness, you know. And then maybe two, and possibly three, and go home. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, But, you know, you can dream. And it's important to have these dreams. <laughs> this is what I... This, these are my dreams. This is what I hope for my future. Um, and it looks like it's going to continue in a similar vein until the end of the year. So we might as well get used to the semi-lockdown. The big concern for me, as I've sort of mentioned already, is that we booked a tour to uh, Dundalk, Dundrum, Planchetown, Bray, Kenny, Thurless, Leash, Cork, Limerick... Ennis and Castle Bar, which um, is due to be kicking off the first end of the first week, so the start of the second week, or the first weekend in November. Um, I think the first date is November the 6th in the Mill Theatre 
in Dundrum. So we still have a little bit of time to go. We're still rehearsing. We're going to be ready for it. We kind of have three weeks. You know, a lot can happen in three weeks. So um, the fingers are crossed. The work has been done. We're still rehearsing. Myself and Janet, Janet Moore, director. Um, just a brilliant person. And I'm eternally grateful. But uh, yeah, we're rehearsing away. I, I tell you what, I'm shattered because I'm not used to it. You know, that's it's been an intense enough couple of weeks, although we do like taking our breaks. But at the same time, it's a one man show. So it's just Janet and myself rehearsing. And uh, there's no let up, really. And I'm still trying to learn my lines. And that's that's tough. And it's emotional as well, because it's a personal story. Um, so I do be emotionally drained at the end of the day. My wife told me earlier to go to bed. I said, I will. I go to bed now. But I have to do the thing for the podcast and get the podcast up. I'll do that first and then I'll go to bed. Um, so whatever you're doing, whatever time of the day it is for you, I hope you're well. And if you're, as I said, if you are in the future, I hope COVID is gone and you have a vaccine and you're happy and you're drinking a creamy pint sitting up at the bar. Uh, I was just watching a bit of a film there called Rialto great film you can go I don't know if you know this maybe you already do but you can go to the IFI uh, it's a cinema in Dublin that shows independent movies mostly independent movies and uh, it's a great cinema great theatre of movie of big screen movies but you can go to the IFI ifi.ie and there is IFI at home so you can rent movies the type of movies that they would normally show there so I rented the movie Rialto and named so after the area of Dublin where the main character's mother is from. So I presume where the main character is from. It's written by uh, a young man you might know, a uh, well-known Irish actor. His name is Mark O'Halloran, Garage, Adam and Paul. And um, I will be interviewing him for one of the podcasts. And the interview is next Tuesday, so I thought I'd watch the movie. So if you want to, if you're interested in listening to the chat with Mark, and you want to watch the movie Rialto, you can go to ifi.ie and download it, rent it for a tenner, and watch it. It's a tough watch. Um, it's not an easy watch. It's very uh, emotional. I find it tough enough or I'm, I'm still kind of halfway through it but I'm finding it tough because of the age of the main character and what he's going through because he lost his job and he's trying to deal with it and he um, he befriends a, a rent boy who's a little bit handy with his fists and is bribing him so he's kind of the man's lost um, and yeah, it's it's a tough watch, but definitely worth the watch, and it's excellent. And as I said, I'll be chatting to Mark uh, at some stage. I'll chatting to him next week, and I'll get it up in the next few weeks. I'll get it up. I'll get the podcast up in the next few weeks. So there's something to look forward to. Something little to look forward to. Sure, what do we have to look forward to? Nothing. Anyway, cracking on to this podcast. Um, this young man is, how do I describe him? He's from Newbridge, up the bridge. I'm going to try and get as many people from Newbridge on the 
on the uh, podcast. I must try. I want to get your. You know, have you heard a rapper called J L O L, the letter J, the word yellow, and the letter L J L O L, and I believe he's from Newbridge. He may not be living in Newbridge anymore, um, but I'm going to try and get him on the podcast as well. So, um, there's my son in the door. Just in case you're wondering what the banging was. Uh, that's young Finn. He's home for playing out in the street. Um, yeah, so cracking on. Oh, I don't know why I keep saying cracking on. Moving on and getting on with the matter of this podcast. Uh, Ryan Mack is from Newbridge. He is a singer-songwriter. He is. He was in a boy band called Hometown. And they were successful enough. Like when I worked on 2FM, we would have played them. We would have been aware of them. I kind of feel like they were kind of probably wrapping up definitely in the first one or two years of me being on the breakfast show on 2FM. So we didn't really cross paths much then, but we did um, a little bit. And then when the band split up, as you'll hear in the chat, uh, we bumped into each other around Newbridge because he was then working, as you'll find out, in Newbridge. This was a very interesting chat, and I was, I'm, I'm just fascinated by people who, um, I suppose, people who are in the pop industry, the music industry, the arts, I suppose, and how they manage. It's a difficult industry to be in, uh, media, arts music um hey bud uh so what's that buddy what's that finn he's talking to somebody else he's not even talking to me i'm just shouting i'm like just the old guy upstairs in the room shouting <laughs> what's dad what's dad doing in there i think he's just shouting you know dad um there's a bit of shouting going on, on the landing so uh, Ryan Mack, yeah, he's in hometown. Uh, yeah, so um, I just, I am fascinated and very interested in the story of the band Hometown. What happened? How Ryan dealt with Finn? Finn? Come here for a sec, buddy. I'm just recording my podcast. Have I? Oh, do we? No. It's downstairs. It's downstairs in the corner of the dining room. <laughs> You're on the podcast. Say hello. You don't have to go too close now. Hello. No, that's far too close. Am I going to be in the podcast? You're going to be in the podcast now, but I might have to take that bit out because it was too close. Okay, okay. Okay. Hello. That's much better. How are you, bud? Good. What are you doing? What are we up to? Nothing. Do you know what they should do? Who? People. People. They should subscribe to the podcast. Yes, you should subscribe to the podcast. Thank you very much, Finn. That's a rate of five. And give it a five-star rating. Excellent. I'm glad you came in. Yeah. Uh, any news? Mm. Ray. Rialto. Rialto is a new Irish movie. It is a new Irish movie. I was talking about Mark. Mark? Oh, oh. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Mark or Halloween. That would be his, his uh, Twitter name for Halloween. I'm going to be interviewing him next week. So. Wait, what? I'm going to be interviewing Mark O'Halloran next week. Call him Halloween. About his movie. I might call him Mark O'Halloran. Thank you very much for the idea. Okay. 
I hope you find your uh, charger. I did. I need to crack on with this. Right. I'll see you in a minute. You did it? Hmm? I shoot you. <laughs> I would. Good luck, buddy. Will you close that door? Yeah. Thanks. There you go. That's just the way it is around here, I suppose. Anyway, I'm going to try and introduce this podcast. <laughs> Ryan Mack is a singer-songwriter. He was in hometown, and it was very interesting to talk to him about what happened when the band broke up. And actually, the ins and outs of how the band was put together. Uh, it was Louis Walsh. Um, it was kind of, he was trying to chase the success of Westlife and Boyzone. And he was putting this band together. It was interesting to find out how he put the band together, um, how the other guys kind of interacted, dealt with each other, the highs, the lows, and ultimately how Ryan dealt with being out of the band. Um, he worked as a furniture salesman, uh, furniture uh, removal and furniture delivery. That's the word I'm looking for. He was delivering furniture, basically is what I'm trying to say, for a while. And uh, just... I love talking to him. He's so open. And also, Ryan Mack wrote my theme tune for the podcast. So, there, now. And he's very good. He did it for me for free because he's a nice lad. And because I'm from Newbridge and he's from Newbridge. So, thank you, Ryan. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, chatting to Ryan. This is episode 13, would you believe, of the Keith Walsh podcast. I'm still trying to find the right um, mic setting. But we're getting there. We're getting there. I hope you enjoy it. As I said, episode 13 of the Keith Walsh podcast, talking to singer-songwriter. And I should say, this guy's going to be big. Like, watch this guy go. He's about to release a single. Uh, I don't know if I can talk about it or what. I think he's going to release a single called I'm Broke. I could be wrong, but I've said it now, so I'm not going to edit this. So it's just going out as it is. Um, so watch out for him. Ryan Mack, he's from Kildare. He's brilliant. Great guy. Sound. You'll hear it. Uh, episode thir- 13 of the Keith Watch podcast. I've only said that about 13 times. Good luck. Enjoy. My gir- yeah, my girlfriend's mother lives next door. Like, yeah. It's the joined on to the same house. And uh, she rang me and she was like, have you started that yet? And I was like, I'm just about to start. And she goes, just come here for one second. And I was like, right, ran in. Can you take this bed apart? I was like, are you serious? I was like, I can't. But like, she feeds me every day. So I was like, give me two minutes. And I just dismantled it in it quick manner very quick fair play to you uh okay we we'll wasn't putting it back together though you were just taking it apart what was that what was yeah. the story where was she going what's the story what's no, what's happening rooms. Rooms. okay women are always moving shit aren't they like we can't just leave i'm always moving rooms <laughs> always have to move things and one thing's painted and yeah. shit like that. Where they are. just everything's grand i won't show you this room here where yeah. it's an absolute mess um is like I, a room you're going to be working out with the the podcast this is yeah well i'm i have a little shed down the back that i'm going to try and convert so i need to insulate it and get some electricity down there and i'm going to make that a little <coughs> podcast studio um uh, but in here this is kind of what we call the office in our house which is like the fourth bedroom but there's a there's a sofa a fold-out sofa bed and and it's just loads of shit we just have to clear it out so um and I was going to use this, but then my daughter's doing her leaving cert this year, so she decided to, um, she wanted the office for for studying. 
So okay. I'm, I'm I'm going out to the shed. Out to um, the shed. I'm going to turn off. I'm going to turn off my. Uh, actually, it's quite good, isn't it? Sometimes I turn off my video because I get a better uh, audio. Like it doesn't lag ever. But I think the quality's. You're in Newbridge, obviously. Maybe yeah, that's yeah, why. Because we're close. Maybe it's maybe. just the, the the good Newbridge Wi-Fi or something. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's so clear. It's great. Anyway, listen, Ryan. Thanks very much for joining me. You're very no good problem, for, for giving up your time. You're very busy, are you? Very busy these days, yeah. With uh, a couple of things. So, like, I wrote that single with Robert Grace. Um, so that's kind of fun. Which um, I should tell people he performed. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. He, should, he he Big performed on the Lake Lake Show. Yeah, last Friday was it? Um, he was on the Late Late Show, um, performing Fake Fine. We wrote it during lockdown, like, I mean, the first two weeks probably within lockdown, because I go down to his every Tuesday and we write a song or whatever. We've been doing this for three years. Um, that's where I got all my songs uh, for the last three years. And then um, lockdown happened and it kind of went up in the air and we were like, what are we going to do? Um, so I was sitting at home and he just sent me on a song uh, that he'd been working on. And he was like, will you help me finish this? And I was like, absolutely. So it was like a day of just, I just sent him something back. It wasn't even on Zoom. We didn't even know what Zoom was at that stage because it was so early on in lockdown. And uh, I just sent him back over some stuff. And then he sent me back over some stuff. And then we had a finished song. And uh, yeah, it's called Fake Find. Then he released it and he built up some clout on TikTok with it. And then he got signed to Columbia uh off the back of it and then he performed on the late, late show last week and now he's top 30 single in ireland it's brilliant it's brilliant uh and, and i talk about this a little bit on the podcast because i'm fascinated with the process of sort of manifesting something from nothing you know between you and robert you've created something which is initially i used to I used to be the type of person that I wouldn't try something because I'd want it to be the finished article and I'd want it to be brilliant. I wouldn't want to take yeah. the, the first steps. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't want the process. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able for it, you know, whereas I'm fascinated now by it. And like, if you think of your, what, what you did there, I mean, that's just, he's putting some words down, you're putting some or whatever. Maybe there's a bit of music at that point. And then it's step by step by step. Next thing, you know, eventually you're on the late, late show and top 30 exactly, hit. Yeah. Crazy. And like the first, that's the first song we've ever written uh, where it wasn't like two of us in the same room, you know, it was just back and forth kind of thing. And it was, we thought nothing of it at the time. It was just, I knew it was a great song, but we didn't know what was going, like Rob will even tell you himself, like if you asked me and him last year, what is like our, both of our 2020 would look like, it would be that we were writing songs together for me for, in hopes that I would, hopefully sign a record deal and that the both of us could sign a publishing deal off the back of it and you know that's how rob would start earning his money and then it just flipped it just completely went like we were just like what's going on and it was just like so crazy so thankfully you know either way we knew for both of us if we just kept writing songs something was going to click and thankfully it did um elton john and bernie 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 Taupin, they, they don't, I don't think they work together. I don't think they're, in, they're ever in the yeah. same room. I think they send each other stuff. I don't know how they do it. They probably, they probably have to send it and play it on their gramophone or something. Yeah, it's probably, they don't, not, probably not Zoom. I'd say. They don't have the technology. Uh, that's brilliant. I just think it's fantastic, just the story. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it is. And then there's, there's another. When, when do you drop the episodes? Do you like 
Well, this can this could go out any time, but also people will listen to it hopefully in a year's time. So you can you can say whatever you want, unless because it's I, I don't know I don't know if he's announcing yet because he's got a song he's got. I can I can kind of tell you something. It'll be at, it'll be at least a week, maybe two weeks before before this goes out soon. Well, he's he's re he's releasing something on the twenty third. Okay. So, uh, but I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know when he's announcing it. That's something you've worked on together as well, is it? Yeah, well, it's kind of, it's fake fine, but with something else on it, you know? Okay. Uh, so it's it's weird, and it's not me, it's not anything like that, it's miles bigger, but I'll kind of tell you a story. So I sat down, Robert sent me over the song, or whatever, is the, the, what he had recorded, and he was like, can you help me finish this? I was like, yeah, of course. So the whole second verse is blank, and I sit down, and I'm like, you know, who, I was like, this, it sounds, you know, he already had the first verse in the chorus. Like it's, it was already there as a song. And I was like, I was able to put myself, and like, I mean, the first line he opens up and he says, 27, life is Armageddon. I've got clinical depression because my mind's an imperfectionist. So it immediately put me in that place of like, you know, he's 27. He felt like fucking life was shit at the time. And uh, I was just like, okay, I'm going to write the second verse from the, from the perspective of like, you know, I don't know what it was like when you were growing up, Keith, but all my friends now are like, you know, childhood friends that I would have grown up with. Or even just in Newbridge, man, if you go out, just everyone's like, it's just drinking and cocaine. It's, it's like, it's rampant. It's just a thing, like, you know? And, you know, I was just like, these people all complain about, and I know you're a big advocate, advocate for mental health and so am I, but like there's some people that they genuinely will, you know, scream it from the rooftops about mental health and then they'll go out and they'll do the cocaine and they'll they'll come down so hard off it, you know. And then they're saying to me, you know, Jesus isn't that terrible. And I'm like, man, just stop doing it, you know. Stop doing the cocaine. So that's what I, I put myself into that. I was like looking around. every time I go out, I, I don't drink anymore, uh, the whole lot. So every time I go out, you look around. I look around me, and it's just like, you know, everyone's just doing coke, and it's like as if it's just grand. So I wrote that whole second verse with all that kind of stuff in mind, like me just being out and like looking at my friends and being like, everyone's just like, you know mad and everyone's getting fake lips and it's just all so everything's just gone mad these days you know so i was like right i'll write that and then you know that guy black bear you know him uh so like he had that uh hot girl bummer that kind of uh song and i was like something like that you know so when i was sitting down there's this other guy who uh he's a he's an american guy he has this big song. i can't really say his name i don't i don't know if i can but it depends when you put it out but um so he'll be in he's he's in, involved in this it, so this I'm, other guy yeah this, this, is, this is, is this like sometimes like ed sheeran released a song right and then beyonce does then they re-release it with a bit by beyonce exactly, or whatever like a feature yeah yeah okay so, so that that's what is that exciting is it someone i'd know um, I, maybe I maybe not me because I'm an old man. But uh... no, I think you would. Like you've been working in radio, you definitely would have played one of his songs. Uh, so you definitely would know. It was a while ago that he had his biggest song. But uh, but when I sat down, I had him in mind as well. And it was the craziest thing because I sat down and he 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 sings with a certain tone, you know. And I was like, oh, you know, like if he, it, it sounds like a vibe that he would do. And I was like, you know, I I kind of just got into like listening to some of his songs, but like all the melody was already there from Rob's first verse. So I was like, Oh, what would that guy, you know, it's like in their mental space, like what they sing about, they sing a lot about like people being depressed and you know, uh, the society today. So I've kind of like put myself into that mental state. And then Rob rang me, uh, 
I had never told Rob that that I wrote with this guy in mind. And then Rob rang me like, well, he texted me first. He said, do you know such and such? I said, yeah. And is, it Bono? is it Bono? Is it Bono? No, it's actually not Bono. It's Christy. It's Christy, Christy Moore. Man, if it was Christy Moore, I would I look a bloom. Imagine him on it. But I'm to the same label, so it could be, you know. But um, no, uh, he, the guy that, he's on, that I'm talking about, so he, he Rob sent me... Uh, a screenshot that this guy had written to him on Instagram being like, I love your music. So I said quickly, I was like, Rob's not going to believe me if I tell him after this. So I just sent him a voice note. I was like, here, before you start talking to him, I was like, I wrote that second verse with him in mind thinking like, you know, it sounds like a song that he would be involved in. And I was like, that's insane that he loves that song. And then Rob rang me then like later on that evening or text me again, I think and said, this guy wants to do a feature on the track. And I, I just, my mind just went boom, like that. I sat, I sat right there at the edge of this bed on a, on a chair with my feet up here and the laptop listening to the song over and over again, writing with this guy in mind. And now he's going to be on the track. And I was like, what, what the hell? It's, you know, I, I genuinely couldn't believe it. It's the universe. It's the universe, man. The, I, I'm telling you, like, you know, whatever you believe about people who say all that, like, you know, dream, believe, achieve, and like put it out there for the universe to send it back. I genuinely was like, even think of it now, I get like shivers because I'm like, what What was that? You know, I specifically thought of two people, Black Bear and this other guy and the other guy is now on the track in the exact place that I was thinking of. It's mental. It, like, if someone told me that, I would be like, shut up, you, you booty man, you know, but. Sorry for anybody, for anybody listening outside of Newbridge, booty man. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, just, I thought that was a, an Irish thing. I didn't think, you know, if anyone was listening outside of Ireland, I would understand. But I thought that was like Irish. It's only Newbridge. It's Newbridge. It, it, like, I, I, I'm pretty much sure I know the guy who first started saying booty man. I think you was, know the booty man. Well, like it was, it was our group. It was, our, it was my group of friends when we were hanging around Newbridge. And we started calling people booty man. Um, and then booty man. People always ask me, what's a, like, what's a booty man? And I'm like, like just a gobshite or gobshite. Like a oddball or something like, you know. A, a gobshite kind of like a booty man. Yeah. Like, yeah, a bit of an effort. Or then I'll say, mean? oh, a spoofer. And then they're like, what's a spoofer? Spoofer. Yeah, come on. <laughs> booty man, yeah. Literally, literally came out of the out of the mouths of me. And my, well, I think, I don't know, probably Apple or something. Uh, I, I'd imagine. But uh, yeah, booty man. She's, and I think it's still only in Newbridge. I was trying to get t-shirts made of. Um, Booty man, yeah, I'd probably have to pay somebody uh, yeah. some money uh, along the way, possibly. A lot of dodgy sayings on Newbridge. We're we're quite good at we have our own language, we have our own way. Um, I should, yeah. So I suppose anybody that knows you knows where you're from, where you're yeah. that you're from Kildare, that you're from Newbridge. If they're, if they're fans, and uh, you've quite a lot of fans, but uh, so just for anybody that doesn't like where, so you grew up in Newbridge. Tell us a little bit about your, your, your childhood. Well, I grew up, uh, I lived in many houses, which is, uh, I, I thought everyone did, but they didn't. <laughs> uh, so I lived in, well, my family, my mom and dad are originally both from Dar Park um, in Newbridge. For anyone listening from Newbridge, they know where Dar Park is. And then, um, yeah, my mom and dad, my mom got pregnant fairly young, had me, um, and my mom and dad moved to, I think, I think I actually lived in my ma, in my dad's mother's house first. I think like just, you know, temporarily while they were, cause it was, I was a complete surprise. So it was just like, 
let's let's sort this out and try to get a house or something in the meantime. So I think I was there for a bit and then moved to Parkmurrah uh, Flats, I think. Parkmurrah Flats first. And then from Parkmurrah Flats to Parkmurrah, the actual houses. Proper. Proper. <laughs> proper. It was there for till I was about five. Then from there to Mount Carmel. And that's kind of when I really started remembering like my childhood then, you know, mm. at that age. So a lot of good time spent in Mount Carmel, a lot of friends met there. And then when I was like 11, um, the guy who I think owned the house in Mount Carmel, I think he was selling it or something. We had to move anyway. So we moved from there to College Farm for a year and then we moved into Stand House and I've lived there since. So, But I moved in Stand House as well. I actually lived in 11 and then I moved around the corner. So it's like we moved around the corner, but then I don't live there anymore now. I live by myself since I'm 18, which I would highly recommend to anybody who's 18. Well, when you have a lot of brothers, it's you have to get out of the house. You know? How many brothers? Uh, you have brothers and, and, and a sister, sister now as well. Yeah, One sister. Yeah, so I have seven younger brothers and one younger sister. Ah. Yeah. Um, and how's the younger sister? I presume she's been spoiled. Yeah, and she's great. Like, she doesn't cry at all. Like, no, to be honest, I'm not there much. Obviously, the... Uh, with the lockdown, I kind of stuck to the guns and didn't go anywhere near anyone. Um, and then, yeah, just was so busy the last time now. But I see her every now and then. But she literally just like doesn't cry. My mom tells me it was like a dream compared to everyone else. Everyone else whinged. And I was the worst. She brought me back thinking I was broken. Or it was like, what's wrong with this lad? He hasn't stopped crying. He, get rid of me. You were born to sing. You were born to make yeah, those noises. I was singing, yeah, straight away. It was um, crying, but singing, yeah. Because I have, I've picked up your man, yourself, and my man did a, a fitness college course. Yeah, a few years ago, and I've picked her up on occasion from from your gaff and uh, your younger brothers are uh, they're characters to say the least. Uh, but it looks like that house looks like good crack. Yeah, I'd liken it to a zoo, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. At times, it's, um, good. it's good though. But, it is. You wouldn't want to go there like for, you call in for a cup of tea and you leave with a migraine, like, you know. <laughs> that's, how, that's how bad it gets sometimes, depending on, depending on what mood the younger lads are in. That's, that's the day. It can really tick you off for the day then. Um, where did, so where did the singing come from? Where did the performing come from? I know you have another brother who is, a, is, a, is an actor, is he? Or yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. The, there's um, performing in the house. There's, like, there's yeah. something in the family. Like I know your mom. And she's uh, quite a character. I really fond of your mom. Uh, I don't know your dad at all, but uh, there's obviously something in. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is your mom? Is your dad? Is it your grandparents? Uh, both or? really. Both really. Like my my mom, growing up, would have been in like uh, variety shows and all the community games stuff, you know. And so it's very like I think Newbridge as well. Just in general, is a very artsy town. Uh, and like, you know, I know you talk about it all the time, being you know, a great town, but it is for that kind of stuff, you know, it's not like people don't, people wouldn't kind of, you know, look at you different if you were in like a stage school or anything like that, you know, um, like when I was younger, a little bit, but now it's just the norm, you know, if you want to go into a stage school and like when I was younger, you know, they'd be like, Jesus, that lad's doing the stage school, you know, and you'd be like, you know, being nearly looked at and like the word gay would probably be thrown around because you were into theater and drama and singing and stuff. So it was kind of like, growing up it was a little bit different if you weren't like playing with a guitar and stuff if you're doing like school shows mostly school shows was just to get out of class really wasn't it well the, the great thing about the pbs where we both went to school was the shows and everybody got involved so it wasn't like a as you said like it wasn't like the jocks versus the 
yeah. the, the theatrical heads around it was yeah. just everybody like I, I had friends who played music and like I had one friend who played midfield for Sarsfields but also played the guitar and was in the musical do you know what I mean yeah, so yeah. it was that kind of mix you know I think yeah there's a lot of stuff like that but but yeah like like that music Newbridge is just great for that kind of stuff so it's everywhere when I was growing up and um yeah, my mom. So my mom was in all that kind of stuff. My dad was kind of the the main reason he played guitar, you know. So growing up, he had the guitar in the house all the time. My musical taste is completely from my dad's side. Um, like growing up, he had me listening to James Taylor, Joni Mitchell, and then you've got Green Day. He was mad into Stiff Little Fingers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, who else did he have blaring? Uh, like all the real kind of old, like the Eagles. I'm mad into that and. Um, even like what's your man's name? He used to always listen to. Well, he Don McLean, and then he had somebody else. Oh, Don, uh, is it Don, Dan Fogelberg? You know Dan. Fogelberg? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, that longer than any, all that, all that kind of stuff. Like used to listen to all of that. Very songwritery. Uh, Bruce Hornsby in the range. Love all that kind of stuff. So that's where I kind of got that interest. And um, my dad gigged in pubs and stuff like that as well. So kind of kind of seen it all the time and it was in the house my dad would always play he wrote songs like all the time so uh that's where i kind of got the the love and the passion for it um i just i've always been drawn to it you know it's just something i've always loved and um so hometown then was a thing that happened i mean for me it seems like you know just the other day but i mean it's got to be a few yeah, years yeah. ago now is it since since he 2016 would have been we oh, yes. 26, end so, of 2016. So four years, I suppose, which four is years, probably yeah. only yesterday for me. But for you, it's as a young, as a younger man, it's probably a, a good chunk of time, really. I mean, it, yeah, well, it still feels though. Like when I think back, you know, when I think back, it, it seems like a lifetime ago, just because I've been through so much since that, you know. Um, but like before that, I suppose, like uh, where I got my another kind of part that I got my musical kind of love for was. When I was in school, like I, like I said, I always loved music. I hung around with all my friends, loved music, stuff like that. But uh, I remember one time, I was always kind of afraid just to kind of pursue it a little bit. But I, I remember being in school, like um, must have been fifth or sixth class because I had the same teacher. So I, I knew it was, it was fifth or sixth class. And, uh, you know, they split up for like, you know, when you're going to the mass and you're doing the choirs and every class has a choir. And uh, they had me in with the girls because I, I could sing in falsetto at the time. But sure, I didn't know what it was. I was just singing like it was just easier because I, I, when I was belting, it was like, this is like I was trying to sing as high as the girls. You were singing soprano, were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, singing, yeah, singing yeah. with the girls. So, so she was like, who's singing high? And I was like, I think that's me. And then she was like, oh, you, you over there. So it was just me and all the girls. And I was just singing like, like a little girl. But um, then after that, I went to secondary school and I got into the choir in third year. And that's when I really, really knew. And I really kind of felt the attention from it that people were like, oh, you, you actually are good. Like, you know, before that it was just me in my room and I was obsessed with Boyce Avenue and stuff like that and listened to them on uh, YouTube and the fray. But uh, when I joined the choir, that was kind of like, you had to sing at the masses and the PBS is very good for that as well. Uh, we got to sing in like, uh, is it the Royal Cathedral or the National Cathedral or something up in Dublin? Got to sing there. Uh, singing like all them Hillsong worship. It was fun, fun kind of church songs, you know? Um, but yeah, then fast forward, I went to college. Um, so, so, so where'd you go to college? What did you, did you study in, music? 
BIM, yeah, yeah. Oh, Sorry, BIM, yes, BIM. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never did music in school, though, ever. Um, just the choir. Choir was the most musical thing I did in school. Um, just wasn't in, in terms of school, I just wasn't interested in. I always knew I would never work like I never wanted to work. Sorry, like a a standard job or what the people like to tell me to get a real job, you know, <laughs> quote unquote real job. But I had it said to me recently, somebody, some faceless person on Twitter was annoyed at me for something. I said, "You're you're robbing you're robbing a living." <laughs> I don't know who I'm robbing it from, but I am. Robbing a living. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, the best like, one. You know, like, I commend anyone who, you know, them jobs, for me, just went in my creative brain was always just flowing. I just could not, like, I could not be present in them jobs. It was just mm. like, it would depress me. Just it wouldn't be right to do that to yourself. No, it just kept, it just kept suppressing all my, like, creative energy and, anything like that I'd come home from them jobs and just would not want to pick up a guitar or look at a guitar if I can even write a song so so yeah during school then yeah I, I was just kind of like I always knew I don't want to go after this and like continue a school regimen and be like a architect or something I was into architecture and all stuff like that and that was kind of one on my list of things I might do but I knew I wouldn't get into music because I didn't do music as a subject. I didn't, I never did. I picked French and art and so anything I could doss in like art, P they were all kept. But uh, yeah. So then after school, this, when I was in sixth year, they announced oh, we're opening this thing in Dublin called BIM, which is, I think it's Brighton Institute of Modern Music. And uh, they were like, we're, we're opening a branch in, in Dublin. And I was like, oh, I'll go up and see what the crack is. And a couple of me and my friends, Daryl Phillips, you know, Daryl from the gym, Daryl was in my class. Like we were in the choir together. We were always like the two musicians around our age who would always just like sing at gigs and stuff like that. So, so we were like, we go up and see what the story is. Went up and it was like, oh, you can, you can come here. You don't need music as a subject. And I was like, excellent. So I went for the audition, got in there, uh, did, I think it was halfway through my second year. And then Louis announced we're auditioning for hometown. And I was like, don't want to do that at all like like everyone was telling me to do it like my girlfriend uh well she wasn't really telling me but like her friends and her friends i remember her friend's dad specifically came in louis was after being on i think it was like late late show i think he was on like 2fm and stuff just saying oh i'm doing this boy band I haven't done it in years because i think after westlife was it i don't think there was one since i did he did wonderland weren't they a girl band yeah yeah westlife for the last big one the last successful yeah. one and then yeah and then he kind of yeah because i remember he said he was saying that his his little shtick at the time was i'm never putting a girl band together again <laughs> it was like they just argue all the time he was like lads there's so much hand here so um so yeah people just like i remember him specifically my girlfriend's friend's dad was like you should go for that like that could change your life all this and i was like ah i wasn't thinking of like the bigger picture i was like boy band i'm not i'm not in a boy band like i'm not that kind of thing i was very at the time acoustic guitar driven listen to the fray like i said all what like i would consider at the time real bands i was really like oh yeah i love this guitar playing someone's playing instruments and uh just for me at the time when i looked at westlife and stuff i was like ah i don't really i don't really know like if i want to be in that but uh lo and behold well, then Dar- well, Darren, it's, sorry, it's sorry it's like it's a it's a vocal group as opposed to you know hmm. a rock exactly, band yeah, yeah. daryl so, so go on sorry so daryl had rang me and said he was gone and uh, then i was kind of like 
you know, what if, you know, what if someone, a person from Newbridge gets in and does change their life? So I went up with Daryl and uh, we just auditioned and you don't hear anything and went home, was working Duns at the time in Newbridge. And uh, I went in, I was specifically on night shifts. Well, not night shifts, but like, I, I think they call it. Uh, night packing. Know what they call it. Yeah, but it was like from six till 12. So it's kind of a crossover transition. Like, so uh, all the all the daytime folk are ending and then all the nighttime people who are just mental are coming <laughs> in. And uh, so, yeah, I went back in there and I remember I was up in the stock room and I got a phone call then and I was like, Jesus, who's this? And uh, you, they had told us, keep your phone on you because like, we're, we're probably going to be calling people. And uh, it was Louis' assistant, Denise. And she was just like, can you come back up tomorrow? Like ASAP. And I was like, yeah, perfect. Went back up and then just a long audition process uh, of that kind of stuff. You kind of go home, you hear again, you hear again, you hear again. And it just kept, keeps getting chopped down to, I think 15 then was kind of when it was like, we knew it was kind of serious and everyone was kind of scrapping to get in. Um, and then I don't know how long that lasted. It was at 15 for a good while before Louis decided because it was so much, he was getting labels in to look at us and the label, he would, ha- he would make like, you know, makeshift groups. Like I might be in a group with Brendan Keane who were in the band and then just two, two other lads who were in the, at that stage and the labels would come in and go, I like that lad. Don't like that lad, whatever. It was harsh enough, yeah. But yeah. Louis always said to us, "It's kind of preparing you for the business that you're getting into." So, but yeah, you 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 went in with your eyes open, and it was sort of like this is, and, and I yeah. suppose it was gradual as well. But it's still harsh. It's still hard to be at that age to be told someone doesn't like you for reasons. You know, you're yeah. like, you don't really know me. I'm actually very yeah, nice. exactly I'm actually yeah, a yeah, nice yeah. guy. But uh, but you know that's that's the business. It is very harsh. It's it's a hard. It's a it's, oh Jesus, anyway, we, we might get back to that. Um, so at some point, then you were yeah. the band was formed. The, the final was it six in the band in the end? No, no, no. So it happened first, uh, five. So there was like I said, there was 15 of or no, it got chopped down from 15 to 10. And at this uh, while it was 15, I'd already known I was in the band. Louis had announced I was in, so I was the first person in the band. Um, and did he start kind of asking you then a little bit yeah like who do you think and who, you know you were sort of helping him pick then i suppose because he because i was thinking he probably he'd probably want to know well personality wise who's going to get on with each other because exactly, they're all yeah. fairly talented and if we have to put them in a in a minibus and drive from cork to limerick and then up to belfast i mean you know are they yeah, going to yeah. start scrapping with each other so you need you need somebody that that's going to be in the band to start saying well this guy's sound this guy's a dickhead yeah yeah, well, that's what he, so he, I had been in the, uh, there was another guy, uh, Ollie, what was his name? Uh, he worked in RTE. Um, he worked on the Rose of Tralee as well, doing all the like musical stuff. Ollie, I think was his name. Yeah, it was Ollie. Definitely don't know, I don't know him now. And he, he was like a mus- the musical director, the director kind of? Basi- basically, yeah. So he he would like, you know, do all the rehearsals with us. And so It wasn't Ron and Case, no, no, no. No, no, it was, it was definitely it was Ollie. definitely Ollie. He's from Carlo. Okay. He's from Carlo, Ollie. He's a lovely lad, lovely, lovely lad. But um, I remember he, I had, so I had been smoking at the time and I was trying to hide it from them because when we were doing one of the auditions, Louis had said, I fucking hate smoking, blah, 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 all this crack. He told us a story about like how, I don't know, someone in Westlife or something smoked in front of him one time and he was like, that's disgusting and told him and all this crack. So he, so he had made it clear that he didn't like smoking and I was like, oh, Jesus, this is going to like, 
hinder my chances of getting in here. So um, I would always hide it. So I was standing, I was standing at, uh, you know, the spar there at Jervis, just as you get off the Lewis. I was smoking a fag and Louis, or not Louis, uh, the guy Ollie came around the corner. Well, my heart nearly fell out my arse. I was like, oh my God, here he is. And I stubbed the fag out. And he's like, don't be putting it out. He was like, I know already. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I knew you smoked already. I was like, oh, fuck. But he had told me that day, he was like, look, just keep keep doing what you're doing. He was like, I don't want to say anything, but he was like, it's looking good for you. So I was like, oh, Jesus. Like, I don't want to get my hopes up either. So then I went in, I think we went into the audition the next day. and uh, Or no, that day, yeah. And I had sang... We'd all sang or something. We were just doing the same. It was nearly like the same thing every day at that point, like uh, not much movement. And then Louis was just like, okay, lads, I want to announce that we have, I have one lad that I definitely know 100% is in the band. And like in, in your heart of hearts, you're kind of like, I hope it's me. Or like, you know, you believe in yourself a little bit enough to be like, it could be me. But I looked around like Owen Quigg is there, you know, all these lads who have experience and stuff like that. And I was just like, nah, surely not. Like, you know, and then uh, he just goes, it's you and he pointed didn't say a name or nothing so like it was literally that thing like in a movie where you're like you're looking back <laughs> looking behind you for the other lad and then uh, everyone was like looking at me and I was like Jesus it must be me and then he was like Ryan and I was like oh cool and it just kind of like was one of the moments where you don't really know what you're feeling but you know it's good or something I, I don't know it was like one of the rush of emotions where you can't really understand until you look back but uh, yeah from then on then he was just asking my opinion on everyone else and a funny story that the lads know is like I he said he knew he had Keen and Brendan in his in his mind as well and he said to me what's the story with uh, Brendan and Keen I th- I'm thinking them they've got big voices and I love their voices but I was just like ah yeah but uh, I get on with these lads better and I was like two other lads that I was having the crack with at the time I was like they're good as well you know they, they'd be great and, and this lad's more musical and all but uh, ended up then he he's just like <clears throat> At that point, I was kind of like counting myself lucky. I was just like, whatever you think, Louis. Like, you're, you're the music mogul here as you're kind of titled. So I was like, whatever whatever you think, I get on with everyone here. And um, So then Louis was like, yeah, Brendan. And he told Brendan, Keen, and Dale next. And he was like, he told Dale, <laughs> he told Dale he was 95% in. And I was like... And they, like we used to just slag Dale over it. We'd be like, man, you're still 95%. In. He never fully <laughs> concreted his position in it. But um, yeah, I suppose. So that was it then. And we actually went away, four of us in it. Um, I think, there was, and then there was six people left that to choose like the last position out of because there was 10 people. And uh, we went home and we spent the whole Christmas not knowing, like this was like, it started in, I want to say like June or something like that. And then, Went on to, like, at that point, we'd been a band, four-piece, but he was waiting to pick the last person. And there was Josh Gray, who ended up making it in eventually. But uh, then there was this other guy, Gareth Burrow, and then there was a couple of other people, but he picked Gareth eventually. He just said, look, I think Gareth's the guy. I said, absolutely, whatever, and put Gareth in it. And then, yeah, then we went and we did a lot of stuff um, as a five-piece. And then we actually, we auditioned for Britain's Got Talent, would you believe? Um, I don't even know if anyone ever knows this. Um, wow. but exclusive. Rang, exclusive. Yeah, I, yeah, exclusive here for the Keith Walsh podcast. You know? mm-hmm. Do you have a, an official name for the podcast or is it just going to be your title name? That's the name, the Keith Walsh podcast. The Keith Walsh podcast. It's good though. Don't change it, you know? Thanks, man. Um, so yeah, he, he rang me. I was working in New Look at the time and he rang me. He was just like, 
I have an idea. And I was like, excellent. What is it? And he was like, we're going to, so like, bear in mind, I'd been in the band thinking my life was going to change as soon as I get into the band. And we're just, I'm still working a new look. We're not doing much. Like Louis, like labels don't want to sign you. It's like, I don't know what the story is. And he believed in us so much as a band because vocally he, you know, I mean, he got to pick from the cream of the crop from Ireland, as he, as he said, you know, like, look, I think over a thousand people showed up. Um, so he was like, I can't get you signed. Like, I don't know what to do. So I have an idea. He was like, I, I want to send you to, um, send you to Britain's Got Talent. And like, so you can audition in front of Simon. And I've spoke to Simon about this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right. Kind of disheartened by it as well. Because I was like, I got, got into this band. I thought we skipped that stage, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I would have auditioned for X Factor or something if, if that was the case. Um, so yeah, we go up anyway and, up in Belfast an audition in like the Waterfront Theatre or something and uh, we sang uh, what was the first song we sang Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flats and then Simon put the hand up like you see on TV to stop us halfway through and I was like oh for fuck's sake I was like man I'm not up for this like like we're Louis your best friend like we need to fucking you need to give us a record deal come on and then uh, he just turns around and he's like uh, yeah I don't, don't really get it like what's the story uh with you two at the end and it was uh, Dale and Keen. he was like you're two bookends like what are you doing and uh, he was like to me he was like you've good voice and the other guy Gareth he was like you've a good voice he was like no one else sang and then Keen Moran goes you stopped me before I got to my bit that's why and I was there <laughs> I was like no man don't please don't hold on and then uh, he just asked for the Eagles then he was like I see you have the Eagles as another song and they're his favourite band he was like so can you sing that and uh, so we sang uh, Take It To The Limit by The Eagles. And he loved that. And he was like, it's a yes, yes, yes. All across the board, there was, who's on it? So Simon, uh, Amanda Holden, Alicia Dixon, and uh, your man, what's his name? David Williams. David Williams, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the four of them, they put us through. And then I was kind of like, oh, that's it. Like, you know, we're obviously not going to carry on with the show because Simon has seen us and that's what our goal was. And uh, I believed what I, what I thought was going on was Simon didn't have time to be like flying over to see us because he's so busy with all that stuff and it was just a way for him to see us and maybe sign us off the back of it under the table like that we come off the show and he just goes yeah we'll sign you but that never happened next time we were flying to London to do round two and I was like is this some sort of joke like so we fly over to London and we go for Britain's Got Talent uh, the second round did we have to sing? No, we didn't even have to sing, I don't think. Yeah, as far as I know, it was one of the ones where you just walk into the room, you know, and they go, like, you're in a, you're in a room with a load of other people, and they either go yes or no, like, to all of you. They don't, it, I think they changed it since where they go step forward, step forward, step forward, yes or no. This time they did just the whole room. Well, I took one look around, I seen a pile of shite with us. Like, I, I genuinely, I'd seen one lad audition and he was like some clown act or something. And it was a joke. Just one, and I looked and I was like, lads, I was like, we're gone. Like, we're gone. And the boys were like, oh, I don't know. And you're standing in the room and pure silence. Uh, Gareth was behind me, I think. Uh, so it was Gareth, Gareth Burroughs, a lovely lad. Uh, he was just like, couldn't breathe. Like, he was like, like, you know, like panicking nearly, nearly. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what's going on? And I was like, lads, it's a no. Like, I'm telling you now, it's no. And he just goes, yeah, you're, you're all going home. And I was like, sake like and just like completely disheartened 
went home. I was like, what next? Like that was Louis's master plan. Like, um, so what were you going? You were just going home to the shop. You were just going back to like, where were you living? What was your financial? Like, who paid um, for the who paid for the flights? Who was like, who was looking after you? What yeah, was like, like Louis, how, Louis, Louis paid for all that. Like, you know, okay. Louis, Louis, thankfully had his success, and you know, it was financially like he was still working. I, I don't know. He wasn't working on X Factor at the time, but like, I mean, he'd done enough years. But he was putting money in at this stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he put it. He put a good few pound in, because like that was. I think we'd signed a contract at start. Say like we'll recoup that. You know, any any kind of money that he, because like, it wasn't just like a couple of, like, couple hundred here and there. Like he he had sent us over flights, accommodation, everything, and like we, we'd even done like a couple of stuff like that to go over to labels and stuff. Like so, you'd racked up a few grand before, you know. So we had agreed that we would recoup that anyways. Um, so yeah, we went back and. I was still working in New Look. Went back to New Look, and it was just kind of like, like this is probably the worst decision of my life. I was thinking at that stage, like, why did I waste my time? Because um, you initially didn't really want to do it. Yeah. Then you kind of, kind of get caught up in it, and then it's you're almost like, in a way, you're kind of being sold a pup because it's and, and I, I really, I really feel for you because, not that I have any experience of it, but I've seen it happen where people kind of get caught up in something and if they were given a moment to just decide do they actually want it or not they'd probably just go oh, listen this i don't i don't really want this yeah. i i feel like i'm doing it because i should be doing it or just in case like the, it's it, yes the fear of them being massive yeah. like westlife or something and you've walked away from it and being yeah. being the being the fifth beetle or something you know mm, yeah like that's the original reason why i auditioned was like I don't even know if the word FOMO was out there back then, but that was like the feeling still was there. It just didn't have a name. It was like, what if I don't go, you know, I would know what happened if I did go and I'd got to know. Then it was like, okay, I wasn't cut out for it or maybe it wasn't meant to be, you know? And, um, yeah, went back, worked in new look still. And then we had been recording in the meantime with, with Rob, Robert Grace. This is how I met him. So Louis was like, uh, I've got all these songs. Uh, I think this was actually before Britain's Got Talent. We'd been recording these, but he sent us down. Basically, Rob was working in this studio with a guy and just sent us down there to do a bit of work and recording. So we'd built up a few songs there. And um, he rings me then one of the days and is like, I've been thinking about it. And uh, like, uh, you want Amanda Holden or something had said, like, you know, I don't know if it's the right lineup and all. Like, I didn't get the lineup. So... I was like, like, so Louis had named me band leader, which, you know, sounds like it's cool, but it's basically just, he contacts me all the time. If there's like, you know, I'm the first point of contact in the band. And he just said like, I'm thinking of just like kicking someone out. And he was like, it's uh Gareth and Keen. And I'm like, like I'm after bonding with these lads, you know, we're after, like I said, been down in Rob's, we were down there for fucking, or well, it wasn't Rob's house. It was Guy Glenn. We're down there in Ashford in Wicklow for like two, three weeks like you know, non-stop back back and forth for like two three weeks, um every every month or two like, uh, and you get to know these lads really well and inside out and you're having the crack. It's like being in school but doing a job and and like having having the crack and not having homework really, um but yeah he just said I'm, ki- I'm kicking the two of them out I think and I was like I was like ah oh, man we can't like we can't I was like if if that was me like it's just horrible I was like either like we call it a day as a band or like we just, I was like, I don't think I'd be ready for that. And he's like, no, nah, I made my mind up doing it. Um, 
he was like, we're going to Backstreet Boys next week. Like, he invited us all. Like, you know, got, got tickets off MCD, the whole lot. And he's like, you're coming with me. And he was like, but uh, I'm telling them. And I was like, no way, man. I was like, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not showing up. So I had to ring the other two lads then, Dale or yeah, Dale and Brendan. And I used to be like, here, lads, look, this is the crack. I was like, I'm not down, I'm not down with this. I don't know what's happening. Like, I'm not, I'm not giving my opinion on it. I was like, whatever Louis wants to do, he wants to do. I was like, I'm not. I'm not part. It's not part. Yeah, it's not part of something. My yeah, nothing to do with me. So then we get yeah, exactly. So then um, yeah, we go to Backstreet Boys. We meet up in uh, what's that place beforehand? Um, like four seasons for a meal, and he tells the two boys there and then, and it's just like it's just not working. Now, in fairness, like you know, he couldn't get a sign, so like I can see from his perspective as well. He thought you know something has to change, and like he said, he's getting us ready for the music business, which is ruthless. So. He turns around and he says, uh, I'm kicking, like, I don't even know. Like, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like he was harsh or anything. Like, cause I think Louis, a lot of people always ask me my opinion on Louis. Loveliest lad ever. I still have, if he rang me today and wanted to chat to me, I'd chat to him. No problem. I never had any, like, you know, people say he's harsh and stuff. I'd never had any harsh dealings with him. This sounds harsh, but like, like I said, he's doing it for his business. It's a business. He's investing this money into it. So, um, yeah, his he, band. He, yeah, his band. Exactly. We like, Still to this day, I'm like, I would, we would have been nowhere like without him. So he rings, uh, yeah, he tell, tells the lads there and then uh, before we'd eaten, before we'd gone to Backstreet Boys. And, 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 then you, and, and then you all went to Backstreet Boys together, did you? No. Yeah. Did the lads yeah, yeah. go? Did the lads stay? Yeah. Yeah, the lads no, I, stay. I don't know there. That's what I said, yeah. I was like, like we're sitting there and we like Louis would always bring us to Four Seasons that's where he does like he, he'll say that openly that's where he does all his meetings and stuff like if he's meet if someone comes over from England or anything like that he'd meet them there and uh, so we were, we're sitting there so we'd eaten there loads of times and the burger there was delicious like so we were all looking forward to it. and the lads the two boys didn't know that this conversation was going to happen and I and me Dale and Brendan did so we're sitting there I'm sweating like literally sweating and uh, he just goes uh, yeah it's uh you Garrett and you Keen and just like the two boys just like sank into the chair and like pure like just emotion panic sets in and like uh, Garrett was from Derry and he just like starts pleading like and, and Keen was like I just, like I think it's the wrong decision like you know and the boat like teary eyed understandably like you know and uh, then he just says no I made my mind up I made my mind up it's not working it's not working blah 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 and the two lads are like and we're sitting there and he goes I spoke to Ryan about it during the week and I'm like he didn't speak to me about it. I, I, I had to clear my name. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, you told me. You told me about it. I was like, lads, that's why. And then, uh, yeah, so that was, mm. that was that. And then he was like, right, lads, what do you want? <laughs> and, then and I'm like, oh, I love the burger, please. And then fucking everyone else is getting the burger. And Louis would always pay for it. Like, you know, so Keen now, because Keen ended up staying anyway in the end. And Garrett, he ended up kicking Garrett out. But he... He just was like, "What do you want?" And Keen was like, oh, for, uh, "Ara, Keen's from Mayo." He was like, "Ara, fucking give me the burger." And then Garrett was like, "I can't eat. I feel sick." Blah blah. Like you know, so Keen was like, "Keen will say it to this day." He was like, "I wasn't fucking getting one more free burger, not missing out and getting one more free burger out of Louis." So, uh, so yeah. Then we go. Then we we set off to go to to, uh, to Backstreet Boys uh, in the in the Tree Arena. The the cars pull up outside, and Louis was like, "Ryan, you come with me." So I went out, got in the car with him. And Keen cleverly just made a beeline for our the the uh, minivan that Louis was going in. Are you still there? Am I frozen? No, no, you go ahead. I can still, yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all fine. Right. Uh, yeah, so Louis was like, 
yeah, Louis Louis was in the van and then Keane beeline for that van and he hopped in and he pleaded his case basically. He was like, Louis, please. He was like, I'm telling you. So it was just the three of us, me, him and me, him and uh me, Louis and Keane. And he pleaded his case and uh Louis I was like, Louis, come on, man. I was like Keane like I love Keane. I was like, I love Gareth too. I was like, I love the two of them. I don't want you to kick him out. I was like, you can't do this. And he was like, fine, Keane, fine, okay. He was like, you have to prove yourself. Like, you need to prove yourself, and blah, blah, blah. So he ended, we ended up going down and, because uh, he actually had said, he actually had said at the table that he was 100% sure on Gareth and he was kind of on the fence about Keane. But he was like, you're more or less gone, like basically. So Keane pleaded his case and he went, Louis, Louis said to him, the car, okay, Grant, you, you have to prove yourself. And Keane was like, I'm going to do everything, everything to prove myself. So, uh, yeah, we went to Backstreet Boys then, and uh, it was the first time as a five-piece band that we were kind of, like, spotted out with Louis. So it was, like, bittersweet for for many reasons, obviously. And, like, Owen McDermott was there uh, with uh, Laura Whitmore, and uh, they had, like, been like, oh, there's Louis and his new band, and they come up, and they're like, oh, how are you? And, like, getting pictures with us and stuff, and I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, great. It's going fantastic. Oh, man. So yeah, then Gareth, yeah, we just kind of resume a normal life then for a few weeks until we figured out what was going on. Uh, Louis had been back and forth with me on it, being like, who will I, you know, what will I do? And he was like looking at the people who hadn't made the band, which like Josh was in that. He hadn't got the first chance at it, but he's like, what about that young lad, Josh? I was like, yeah, 100%. He's great. Like, looks good. Sounds good. He's like, yeah. And what about, um, but what about this lad and all? And he was like, I was like, here, Louis, just make, make the decision. Like, I honestly... We're like at the point now where we don't care. Um, so then he rang me one day. I remember I was walking to work and he rang me and he was like, I have it. And I was like, okay, what's the story? And he was like, we have six. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I'm going to put six in the band. He was like, I contemplated whether it was too many or not. And he was like, but putting Josh Gray in and I'm putting Dean Gibbons. He's in this other band called, uh, uh, I think they were called Out of the Blue at the time. Well, sorry, he'd actually sent me. He'd sent me him before. I was like, what do you think about this lad? He's in a different band, but they're not working out together. Uh, I think we could like use him and he's experienced and he knows what it's like, you know? So he was basically trying to like get us to pick between Josh and Dean. I was like, whatever, whichever one suits you, man. And then he said, then that's when he rang me then the next day or whatever. I was like, we have six. And then that's how we became six then. Sorry, oh. probably a long story, but. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus, what was that? I was thinking just, one of two things will happen here. Charlie, Charlie sits here when I'm doing the podcast on my feet, and and then if someone comes, right, Charlie, go on, go on, go on. Someone comes in. He someone goes, even comes near the door. He goes mad. So that's happened a few <laughs> times. Sorry. Right. Sometimes I just leave it in. It's fine. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, like it's a long story, and I, I talked a lot there, but it's, no, it's, no, it's good. I feel like people, you know don't understand the inner workings of it sometimes you know they just see the six of us at the end and it's like like a lot of people don't even know gareth was in in the beginning um what's he up to now do you are you gareth he's actually in, yeah yeah so after that i kind of think i think gareth thought and i don't know i haven't really spoken to him but I, I think he thought that i had something to do with it at the time so it was kind of very um it didn't end well really like yeah of me, course like I had no hard feelings against him. I I loved the chap. Thought he was great, um. But I think I think I don't know if like if him and his family thought that I had something to do with it or anything. But like he had blocked me on uh, he had blocked me on like all social media. I think 
but hadn't blocked everyone else. Um, and then he, yeah, I just remember it wasn't really, like, there was no contact there, but he's in a band now called Lavengro. Oh, Lavengro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the singer. He's, okay. he's the lead singer. Cool. So uh, cool yeah, I, I've since spoke to them since, so it's all good now. But uh, but yeah, it was kind of like weird at the time. It was kind of like, oh, like I wanted to kind of say I had nothing to do with it, but I was like, you know, I'm, as much as I say I had nothing to do with it at the time, it probably wouldn't it would have went in one ear and out the other. I'd be like, yeah, I know, like you know, I know where this shit goes. You definitely had something to do with it. So yeah, I just kind of left it. But he's, that's what he's doing now. Yeah, they're doing well. Well, there you go, Lavengro, good band. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Christ, yeah. I mean, it's just it is interesting because I do like we we talked about the, the 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 pedigree of singers and musicians and bands and stuff from Newbridge, but but Sinead from Bewitched would be a good friend of mine, you know. Yeah. And I'd have some knowledge of kind of what goes on behind closed doors with these bands and how they're put together and how. Mm-hmm. Do you, so like we don't want to. I don't want to get into the 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 details of it, but you, I mean, you once you got going, it seemed to be. You seem to be doing, from outwardly, you seem to yeah. be doing okay. Yeah, like outwardly and like success-wise, but like it's like that thing in the music business as well where, uh, well, like, you know, outside looking in, everyone thinks you're minted. Everyone thinks you're loaded. And like people around Newbridge are like, Jez, you must be rich. And I'm like, I wish, man. Uh, like it was, you think of it, we signed a record deal. So yeah, we he ended up as the six piece. Uh, got a few labels to look at us and stuff. Ended up signing to RCA. Um, I got a couple of grand between us each. Like it was split six ways. Um, and like, I don't know if you know the inner workings of like record deals and stuff, but a lot of them will do like a, if you're doing like an album, they'll do like you sign the deal, you get half. So they'll give you a fee, whatever whatever your number is. Like they'll be like, we'll offer you, say it's a hundred grand for argument's sake. They'll be like, we'll give you a hundred grand. Uh, 50 grand you get when you first sign the contract and then you get the next half or in our case we were getting the first half in the beginning and then we were getting a quarter when we started the album and then we were getting the last remaining quarter when we finished the album basically had written off on it so to kind of put it into perspective one we never finished the album and two it was like I don't even think did we start the album in their eyes? You know, yeah, we started the album, but we, we never finished the album, so we didn't get a quarter of the the money we were supposed to get. It was more than hundred grand that we signed for in the end. But yeah, because I think people don't understand that. Uh, like just to break it down, and you get a little bit of this if you're in the public eye, if you're on radio, people just presume you're loaded. Yeah. But uh, but in a band as well, if you see a, a band have signed a deal and like you know maybe it's maybe it's worth a million, you know, because they like to say. They like it to be, and I'd imagine Louis as well would like it to be front page news, like his band that signed a million, you know, a million sounds yeah, good, yeah. doesn't you it? Kinda, it's like that fake it till you make it a little bit. Yeah, let's say, it's, say they say it, they announce it's a million and th- this is the new boy band. They've just signed with RCA and it's a deal worth a million or whatever, you know, five million, say for instance. Let's yeah. say it's five million for the crack. Like that's five million, as you say, you know, immediately half that or whatever, yeah. immediately Louis takes back the money that he's already invested. In. Immediately, exactly. he he might be member number seven, so you might be splitting that seven ways. I don't know what well, he gets. He gets his management fee, which like most managers get twenty percent. But he because he started the band, he he got twenty five percent. So so he's getting twenty five percent, and then and then you're getting whatever's left over. And then you're splitting the remainder between six lads. 
divided between six. So say, for instance, you end up with 60 grand or maybe 50 grand or whatever. And then you pay a lot less than that. And you pay your tax on that. Yeah. And this is the money that is going to see you through. If you get, say you pack in your job, because generally you have to pack in your job. You have, yeah. You're busy, you know, you have a lot of work to do. You have rehearsals yeah. to do. You have to do gigs. You have to be available. Say, for instance, you, get, you end up with 20 grand, right? <laughs> if, if, you, if you pay your tax. And that's going to do you, what, for a year? Like Whenever, yeah. Like, it just, I just wanted to spell it out because... Yeah, it's the uncertainty of, like, it's great. Okay, yeah. Like, if, someone, if you said someone 20 grand, they'd be like, Jesus, 20 grand is loads of money. Yes, it's loads of money to be handed straight up front. But it's not a load of money when you're... It's indefinite when you're getting paid next, you know? But that's it's to do you. That's, that's your money now for... That's, that's it, yeah. We don't know when you're getting paid next. It's probably a gig or something down the line, but we can't give you a definite date, so... If you did a gig, then would you get would you get money in your hand after the gig or like what? Uh, yeah, Ma- yeah, like you you get um you get a grand a gig or something. Or? Pay it, pay it. Yeah, depending. Mostly, I think I can't remember what our fee was, but we used to get like in around yeah five hundred to a grand a gig, depending. Um, would then and I'm sorry to get technical on this because I think it's good. important, you know, because yeah, it's important for a lot of people don't understand the inner workings. Actually. So if you get your grand for your gig. Are you are you are you self-employed? Do you have to pay your own tax? Yeah, so we 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 were self-employed as a business. So we had our own business. That's this is the way the music industry works. Still, you will get if I signed a record deal in the morning, I have my own business, and I work as like a company director or whatever, and then like they pay into that, and then you pay yourself like a salary or a wage or whatever. And so that's the way that did work. Except like we didn't, the money wasn't good enough for us, especially as a big band, to be getting a weekly wage or a salary or that. And so. If I wanted, if I needed a grand, if I say when we got paid and I said, oh, I need a thousand euro, I rang the accountants. Everybody else has to get a thousand at the same time. So you know what I mean? So it has to all come out at once. If I get a, if Dean wants a thousand, everyone else had to get the thousand. Uh, so we kind of had to be just like, communication had to be on point with all that stuff. Um, but yeah, like that was like the money wasn't great at all. Um, like we got paid, like, like I said, the initial. Um, I remember right. This is how this is how it was. Right, I remember I was over in London. We were living in Lean Payne's apartment. Uh, our record label were paying for it. And we were living there for five months or four months, maybe, to do a promo run for Where I Belong, which we'd released in Ireland and it became number one. And we were doing it over there to try get it, try like try launching in the UK charts. So within this whole promo run, everything was like, we were on The Box, you know, that channel, The Box and Chart Show TV. We were on that. I'd watched them as kids. I was like, this is fucking mental. We're living in this mad apartment. And I had to ring my uncle and ask him for a loan of money because I, I, no one told us how long we were going to be there for. And it was like, we weren't doing anything for money. We'd gotten the, the, the stuff from the label, like the money we had from the label. And like, I was just like, I had to ring him for money. It was just like, like, you know, people think, oh, you're living in fucking Lean Pan's apartment. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're living there. That's fine. It's cool not having to pay rent and being there. But, like, other than that, day-to-day living, it was scraping, like, you know. And you're playing all these shows, driving up and down the country. We had a driver. Like, they, they everything like that was paid for, you know. So that that side of it's easy because, you know. But another thing people don't understand, you have to recoup that money for your label. So you're paying, you're you're paying paid, the back, like, yeah. You're not getting paid, say, for... Uh, we went number one in Ireland. All those sales went straight back to the label. I mean, it's like, you're, you're not getting that. That's what your advance is. It's, it's them paying you in advance for the money they think you're going to make back for them. 
So essentially, the bigger the check isn't necessarily always the best because you have to recoup that for them anyways. So a lot of people kind of, yeah, don't understand that. They're like, Jesus, you got fucking this much money. Like, oh, they'll see a million dollar record deal. And they're like, that I got a million quid. And it's like, firstly, he didn't get a million quid. He probably got like, say he got 500,000 uh, advance that goes into his company account. The rest of the 500 that are on about that makes a million is spent on, they're adding it up to go, we'll pay for the album. We'll pay for this. We'll pay for that. We'll pay for that. So that's going to accumulate to a million. So let's just call it a million dollar deal. And you have to make us back that million. So yeah, like, yeah. You know, there's certain deals. If you have enough pull, and if you're like, if you've got a hit before a label comes in, then they can, you know, then they'll look at you and go, okay, well, can we, you know, give them this, and and you go, you come back to them with your terms, and like, you'll be like, well, I don't want to recoup this, 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 blah, blah, you know. And some of them will negotiate and kind of break even with you because they want, they think you're such a big star, you know. They're 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 unicorn cases, like they're. You know, Rare, because I mean the, the unfortunate thing is like you see it a lot with the bigger labels. They don't want to take a chance. They don't want yeah. there to be any chance involved. They want this to be a sure thing. They don't want to cost them any money. If they invest any money, they're going to get it back, etc., etc. And the world doesn't work like like no. <laughs> the world does not work like that, you know. Um, so it's 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 unfair. But look, the you so I mean you had you had a. You were successful. You played massive gigs. Yeah. Uh, I know I was talking to uh, one of the lads. Who was I talking to? Was it... Um, Josh, was it that time? No. Josh. I interviewed Josh. And he was telling me about a gig. And this, I think this was your last gig in Barcelona at a uh, festival. Madrid. Well, Madrid. Madrid, Madrid. Uh, in, in front of lots thousands, of thousands. Know, 15, 15, 16 thousand. 15, 16 thousand people. You're on stage. Yeah. But you know. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, basically, I, I'll... So backtrack a little bit, I suppose. It was called, yeah. So it was called. Uh, so, just like in a flash, what happened was we had two number ones in Ireland. Great. We went over to England. We tried to recreate that success. Didn't happen. We charted 102. We were after living there for four, five months, whatever it was, uh, trying to promo that single. Spotify was only kind of making the bridge, so things were actually making the move over to streaming. But labels were still figuring it out. We were full on like going around leafleting in the schools and stuff in England ended up not really paying off we charted 102 we didn't break the top 100 in, in the UK so we panic and we're like fuck we're gonna like we're gonna be dropped the label say nothing send us back we end up not really hearing much from them then the uh, then this other label get uh, wants to get involved from Japan we have to get out of the the deal with the UK that doesn't happen the other label in Japan get cold feet and end up running they're just like this is taking too long the like i think you have to kind of they have to kind of negotiate with the other label and buy them out if you get me and they just were like we're not willing to invest that much money like we're willing to invest the money into you but not like to give to just the other label just to get you you know so yeah they don't they run off they, they just back out and then a couple like a month or two later maybe uh we're sitting down having a chat being like what's the crack like and we were trying to kind of like put covers up on youtube and Trying to like, you know, we met up with Louis. Louis was like, "We don't want this to. End. I don't want this to end." Like, I think you're the most like talented people I've seen. You know, as a band, and, uh, we were just like, "Oh, well, it's not working." You know, so unless you can get us another record deal, so we walked away. And Keen said, "Look, lads, I can't carry on." Keen had moved from Mayo to Dublin, was paying extortionate rent, and he's like, "I cannot do this." And 
and not know when we're getting paid or anything like that. So uh, he was like, I'm going to give it till October. We had this gigs uh, penciled in. It was in Madrid. Um, it was called the Coca-Cola Music Experience. Big gig. Um, and Megan Trainer was the headline. And then you got like a uh, load of Spanish acts and stuff. And we were like, well, I think we were like third on the bill, like from the top or maybe third or fourth. Um, so yeah, Keen's like, look, if we don't have another record deal signed by then, lads, I'm, or any hope of one, he was like, I'm going to have to say like, sayonara, basically. And then Dean was like, well, look, if Keen's doing that, I'm, I'm going to have to say the same thing. Like, I can't, can't continue as five. And then, like, there was a little bit of talk between me, Dale, uh, Brendan, and uh, Josh about maybe just continuing as a four-piece. And, you know, Dale and Brendan were kind of chatting about trying to trying to get that going. And I was like, I, I don't think so, lads. Like, you know, we're after spending so many years. So I don't think so. So... Sure enough, October comes around. We fly over to Spain, knowing what's happening. The inevitable's coming. We're going to break up. It's a final gig. And it was kind of like an essence of like, you know the way they say before, like people die, they're just kind of like content with it. They they know what's happening and they just kind of let go. And it's just kind of, it was kind of like that in a weird way because we're going over and it's like, we know this is happening. Yeah, it's upsetting, but like, we're just going to have the crack now and just fucking have a gig. So we flew over, yeah, uh, in Madrid, Nobody really knows. We're, like, no, no fans or anything. No, we're splitting up. Nothing. I think family members maybe I'd spoken to and told them. Uh, but yeah, we fly over, go in, sound check, the whole lot. Probably one of the biggest gigs we played. Like, we played arenas, like Tree Arena and stuff like that with Ollie Murs, Vamps, McFly. But this is like packed, sold out completely. And uh, yeah, we're just up in the dressing room. It was this weird air of just like, let's go and do it one last time. Ends up being. It was some Megan Trainer. Uh, oh no, yeah. First, first we go out and we perform, and ends up being one of the best gigs we've ever done. Like ever, still to this day, I'm like the crowd was electric. Like I mean, just bouncing around the place, loving us. Um, and it's just kind of this bit like we're looking at each other on stage, just having the crack, being like <laughs> taking the piss completely, just being like we're fucked, like we're gone. And uh, we come off stage and we're just like, just like a sigh, just like. Oh, there it goes like all those years just out and uh, yeah it was kind of like bittersweet we just kind of went off and like like you know usually we'd go out and we'd meet all fans and stuff after any gig because we were, we were we, I'd say we worked hard and, and Keen when Keen was getting kicked out of the band and he said he would change everything he took the reins he ended up switching to band leader besides me and uh, he took the reins and he turned the thing completely on its head and you know gave it to kick up the hole I wasn't, I wasn't built for that I wasn't built to lead people it was just like myself you know so yeah we, we keen would always have us going out like come on like if even if we we're like ah oh, man like, come on we bollocks after that gig keen would be like we're going out we, we meet the fans and we chat to them you know this is our this is what we're here for they're the people who are coming to our gigs but after that gig it was like no point so we just went up and like they were asking us to come out and it was just like i don't want to do it like you know we'll see them when we walk down the stairs so we went up to the room so uh, we went up to the dressing room and megan trainer comes in <laughs> she's all that was amazing. Like your user are so good. Like I want to write with you one day and all. I'm like, uh, <laughs> thanks Megan. <laughs> you know, like, it's kind of like this. You're just like, wow. Like you're so excited and disappointed at the same time. But yeah, we went, went away then went up to the fucking hotel room. We all just got like bags of cans and just had a few pints and we or had a few cans and we, we each stood up and kind of just said something like it was literally like a funeral. <laughs> We all stood, we each stood up and just said, like, you know, thanks and a few tears shed. And 
few hugs all around and then we kind of went out and uh, we went out in Madrid that night just to a pub or whatever and like fans had flown over from England and everything to see us like and we're like splitting up and I think Keane had, Keen had got locked that night and told a few people anyway he was like ah oh, we're fucked we're gone real Irish like just ah oh, we're gone never mind and uh, I remember just being like real I didn't enjoy the night then we went to this nightclub and or not nightclub like it was like a late bar in, in Madrid and I remember just standing there and it was like fans coming up to us just being like oh what's the story like, and I was just like I ain't going home I just went home I was just like I ain't gone I just went went home went back to the hotel went to sleep uh, woke up the next morning I think we flew out that day hung over the bits just been like this is it lads and we all just parted ways after that and I think that was the last time we'd like seen each other for a bit like it was literally it wasn't like we'd meet up next week and do you know chat again it's kind of like it dribbled out in terms of phone call and stuff like we would ring each other because there was a while where we were still trying to kind of Dale was on to me like being like should we should we do something like the four of us who wanted to continue and I was like nah I was like it's just no point man it's just let's just leave it and not flog the dead horse so so yeah that was it then called it a day Jesus yeah. and from from kind of from start to finish how long was the was the, the life of the band from um, I cannot remember for the life of me when we auditioned I just remember 2016 was the was the year that we finished October but I can't remember. Um, I'm going to so, say we were banned for maybe three, so probably 2013, 14, maybe. So, so maybe three, two, two, two and a bit, three years. Yeah, I think it was three years, I think, from like the beginning of the audition. So like 2013 was probably like start of the audition period. And then the span of like two, three years was the whole, the whole shebang. And I mean, in those two, three years, and like, you know, you can kind of sit and be like, uh, you know, it was great. And did you learn anything? And one of the biggest takeaway I learned was that is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I got the, the confirmation for that. It really cemented it. And that's why I'm still doing it to this day, you know? And, uh, that's probably my biggest takeaway is like one, I, you know, that I did get to see the inner workings of it and you know what it takes to get there. And then when you just get that taste of like being on stage to that many people, it's like, I don't want to go back to doing anything else ever. But you got to see, as I said, how it works, how the business works. And also I'd imagine in your head, you must've been like, you're an intelligent lad. Like the cogs must've been turning. And even though you were in a band, you must've been thinking, I wouldn't do that. I do this differently. Yeah. I changed this. I know how to work. Well, how I'd work in the studio. I know how I'd behave. That's, That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Biggest thing like that is because I went out solo and I'm writing my own songs now and I'm I'm talking to these like I had a song I had a, had a writing session yesterday and the day before with this guy called Cupfather he's a he's from Denmark and uh, he did Superstar by Jamelia he did like Return of the Mac that remix that went big he did oh. that so he's big 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 uh, guy and he did like uh, he did countless countless songs Ollie Murs and Demi Lovato up like he's done hits upon hits and he used to, we used to get folders sent to us from our label being like, and from Louis being like, these people are like, these are all songs that you can have, you know, and you're basically, you, you either cut them and record them and release them. And he actually had a song on our album. And I remember like, you know, at the time being like, this is what I wanted to do. I went to college for songwriting. That was my, my discipline in, in college. 
but obviously like I mean you get into a boy band and the best songwriters in the world are writing for you you kind of put that on the back burner you know um, you're kind of like I'll wait till we make it huge and then then I'll start having a say you know kind of like what One Direction did you know everyone wrote their songs and then second album third album you see them kind of dripping into the to the writing but uh, now being in those sessions I'm like all this time you know I, I there's uh, like I don't want to say it, like I've no regrets about the band and I've no things that would change but like it just would have been it was such a whirlwind and I was just like strapped into this roller coaster and wasn't thinking about a steering wheel I was just like let it take me and that's mm. it whereas I think maybe now that I'm steering my own career that I could probably have steered it a little bit better back then I just was I was 18 when I got into or 19 when I got into the band I was completely like just out of college like left college for it and everyone else like Josh Josh and Brendan were like 17 or 16 or something when they got into the band I think so it was just kind of like were you were you a little bit like um, and I don't want to I don't want to put words in your mouth. Were you a little bit, if you think back, I don't really want to do this. This isn't really my dream. So when I got in, no, no. When I got in, when I got in, I was like, I just want to do music, and this is music, and this is a way into the career. And that's why I, when I went to BIM, I was songwriting, but it was I wanted to go there. I always believed in my songwriting uh, ability and like myself as a musician, um, but when I went to BIM, I was kind of like, I wanted to use BIM as like a segue to kind of know the people inside the business. It's very hard to crack into the business. Uh, if you're not, if you're not cracked into it already, you know, it's very kind of clicky uh, in some parts, but then if you get into it, then you're in it. And it's like, it's very hard to be pushed out of it. So I, that's why I went to BIM. I was like, like all the tutors in BIM were like Irish musicians who were in the business. Like, you know, you had Kathy Davy who, had a had a big song out at the time as she was being the tutor, uh, and you had all these. Um, you had Joe Wall who was in the band The Stunning and The Walls, uh, so like that. So that was the main reason I went there. And then when Louis, I mean, you get catapulted then to Louis Walsh's boy band, and that's like leagues above that. And you're just kind of like, so that's. I didn't regret, and didn't think at the time, oh, I don't want to be in this like I did before it, but. Once you got it, once you were in, you were in. Yeah, once I was in, I was like, I started college to get into the business, and now I'm after getting into it. So let's just go with it. Let's just do it. Um, so where are you at now, right now, for anybody that hasn't been following your career? Where so, would you? Where would? How would you describe your situation? Um, well, and your right now, and, and and like what you plan to do. I don't mean your situation, like your. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting yeah. on my bed here with purple thing in my hair. Music wise, because I've I've I saw you I saw you do a thing on TikTok, and I was like, that is class. Yeah. And I yeah. and and I, I get I'm a I'm a little bit ADHD. Like I get sort of excited by stuff. And I was telling, I was trying to tell all these other people. I was going, the song, um, I'm broke, you know, and he's doing yeah. it on TikTok, and it's brilliant. And I was trying to get the breakfast show on Two FM. To, yeah, they didn't play it. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant! I thought, yeah. I thought you knew that. Yeah. No, I didn't. Um, no, no, no. I was like, it. did he play? Because I was like, oh, fuck them! Anyway, that's the last time I tell them anything good. Uh, that's that's the last time I give them a heads up. <laughs> yeah, no, they played it. Um, Owen played like the clip off uh, TikTok, and he just said, like, I mean, every word was bleeped out because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. broke his shit, and I'm downright fucking sick and tired of it. So every time that came in, it was like beep beep, and it was just like a. <laughs> You know, it wasn't like a, a clean version that I had done. So they just like on the fly beeped it uh, beforehand. So, but yeah, he played it and Owen was like, uh, it's a catchy song. Like if he does, if he does decide to release it. So 
but I suppose like to kind of in short what happened after hometown I went I, I needed money straight away I went into delivering furniture and hated that I met That's you yeah, I started meeting you around then. I met you in the estate. You were, in your estate yeah. you were delivering up the road, and I was like, "What's going on, man?" And we had yeah, a chat. Like, yeah, yeah. And that happened numerous times, you know. Uh, yeah, but the- but 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 I have to say it to you because that's like I mean that's I, I'm aware of working sort of in, in in media. I'm aware of these things, and I, like and I was fucking I I was I really felt like fair fucks to you because. Yeah. You just said you were just really human about it. You're like, well, I need that's over. I need uh, money. I need a job. And your cousin or something my gave brother, you. Yeah, you're you're helping your brother with the uh, furniture deliveries and stuff like that. And you just went. You just got straight. There was no. You weren't like, I'm too good for this. This isn't. Yeah. Well, just, see, before it, there was a little bit like you know, like because ideally, what I was doing uh, since I'm like 16 was gigging in pubs. So I was like. But there was just such a fear and a like, ah, like an, an embarrassment, nearly humiliation mm. of going back doing that because people, no matter how many times, like they ask you, and I'm sure you get it with like even radio, they're like, oh, what, what happened with it? And, and you're just like, it's not even like you're embarrassed about it. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be talking about this again, man, especially when it's such a, like a fresh wound. You're just like, oh, and you end up like diluting it down to just, ah, it's gone, it's gone. Like, but that was the fear with, like, cause that was the number one thing was like, okay, I, gigging in pubs is handy you get the money on the night you just do your own taxes at the end of the year you know it's good money it's like you get 200 200 quid a gig for two hours you know 100 quid an hour you're getting paid uh i was like Be- no brainer beats lugging beds beats having a sore back and working eight to six monday to friday but at the time i was just so like how can i go incognito here where people won't be coming up and asking me and um i needed a quick fix as well so it was coming up to christmas and I said, my brother was working, delivering furniture, and I just rang him. I said, must crack on a job there. Real, like, dire straits. was like, need a job ASAP. It's coming up to Christmas. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'll say it. And I suppose, like, it kind of benefited me that I was in hometown, and uh, the guy who ended up giving me the job ended up, you know, I think he kind of felt for it a little bit. Like, he was like, oh, okay, he, you know, I feel for this lad. He's stuck. And uh, I suppose they're, com- they're coming up to Christmas as well, which is their busiest time, so they're probably looking to take one. But he, he, he was helping my brother out who he really liked. And then he was helping me out who he probably felt sorry for at the time. And uh, so, yeah, so I went down, got the job the next day. Literally started the next day. He was like, can you start? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And then I suppose I got in a rut there because I was kind of like, like I said, I kind of got in there to, to go incognito. And then you have every fecker that works in the place asking you why the band finished. And why are you here? I heard you on the radio. Okay, yeah, grand. We didn't get paid from that radio because the label's still getting paid from that. So, uh, so yeah, I'm working there. And like, the weirdest thing was, you know, the way Two FM do the all Irish all day. I'd be delivering the furniture and fucking hometown to come on because it was still like, it was because they still played the odd hometown song even mm. probably today. But like, definitely for a year after, you know, they were still playing them. So, you'd be sitting there in the car and if fucking another one to come on, you'd be like, Jesus Christ. But um, but yeah, then I just kind of got reeled down the dumps working in there. Then after because like. I got stuck in this cycle of work eight to six Monday to Friday come home like you come home every evening bollocks tired because you're getting up to be in for eight I'm getting up at half se- half seven you're going in it's a tough job but also you're just sitting sitting around in the van you you get tired man just doing nothing like and uh, 
like I said, my creative mind and just even even if my mind wasn't creative, like you said, I think I've ADHD. I've never been diagnosed ADD. My attention span's horrendous. Um, so I was just kind of like, it just wasn't great fit for me. And like props to people who do that for a living, you know, and, and it really, really like just got me down because I knew I didn't want to be there. And I, like I said, I had tasted the taste of fame. If you want to quote unquote, put it in that, like, but I mean, two number ones in Ireland, I, we thought, you know, we were destined for, the next Westlife like and Louis would always tell us so it was kind of like this come down off it and it's grief it's grief though as well like grief yeah exactly when the breakfast show finished for me it was like you know there's a period of grief like I started going to therapy I started figuring all this shit out because I felt like I felt like shit Uh, it's it's almost it's also because there's no definite like it's not like someone died no it's like inside you and nobody it's rejection, but nobody's really rejected you. Like there's no yeah, one yeah. you can really blame and there's no, like there's no, like you can understand why it happened. Like, you know, practically it made sense or whatever. Like, and if you just, if you talk to somebody about it, you can explain, like you could sit down and explain to whoever wanted to talk to you about it. And I, I'd imagine lots of people did. And you could say, well, it just yeah. didn't work out because X, Y, and Z. And you can be really uh, practical about it. But, but underneath it all, you're like, you know, you're angry, you're sad, you're upset. Yeah. You're, it, it's, it can be really bad for I mean, yeah, you obviously. I mean, you you, you go from in front of fifteen thousand people in Madrid to sitting in a van in Newbridge waiting for a yeah. bed, you know. Sitting in a van, waiting, waiting to put like putting beds together, uh, like going in. Then I remember one time I went into this massive house. I mean, I'm like dream house, the one that I thought I'd be living in at that point. Probably, I went. That was that was when you brought the sofa to my house. Yeah, that was when I lived <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was like, oh Jesus, it was out in the sticks somewhere, like, uh, and I was bringing up. Uh, I can't remember what we're bringing up. Doesn't matter. But I was bringing up this lovely fucking front, like you know, you know, one of them houses has steps up to the front door, like but like marble and early steps, and bringing it up. And I go in the door, and then we have to bring it up a step into the kitchen, and there's a step into this room, and so, and we're lugging it up. And next, I see your one like second looking at me, the this the the mother of the house. She's like looking at me. She goes, "Are you Ryan?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "And like hometown was split up a while now because I I I remained in that job for like." just under a year, probably like 10 or 11 months. And she was like, oh, my daughter loves hometown. What's the crack with hometown? Like, and I'm like, are you joking me? I was like, what do you mean what's the crack with hometown? Like I'm stood in your house lifting a fucking couch up the stairs. I was like, that's what the crack with hometown is. And like, you know, that's when it was kind of like, you know, those kind of little things was like, oh, fuck, I shouldn't be here. Like, and I would always tell the guy, the manager of the place, I was like, I'm leaving, like, I'm leaving. I would give him, like, because he only took me on temporarily. He was like, you know, till you sort your shit out. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. And super grateful for that. But you get stuck getting the weekly wage. I, I, bear in mind, I, like you said before, like we spoke about, I got the initial lump sum, sorry, initial lump sum from uh, a record label and stuff like that. And you're getting gigs here and there, but it's not definite pay every week. You're not getting a paycheck. I'm working this job. I'm getting like four, four I think it was four fifty, four eighty a week definite into my account all i had to do was show up so you kind of get stuck in that having the handy money working eight to six monday to friday man was a joke uh you come home i had no interest in the gym nothing fitness like my fitness was just never really a thing um then come the weekend you'd go for a pint with the lads on the saturday maybe hung over on the sunday back to work on the monday and that was the vicious cycle and like i got really down about it like really really like i would like depressed like i never went to see anyone nothing because i the only reason i was talking to to um 
uh, Daryl Phillips actually recently because Daryl goes to therapy and he was like, I just went because he was like, I didn't feel like I was nothing wrong with me. He was like, I just, he was like, I have a good car. I have a good job. He was like, I've, I've good money. I'm not broke. I'm not, I'm not skinned at like everything. And he's like, I'm just, he was like, I don't feel like I'm as happy as I should be. And that's what Daryl said to me. And I was like, that's valid. Like, you know, valid point. Like, you know, and he was like, so he started going to therapy and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, look, man, I was like, I didn't know any of this was going on about you. Like you should have fucking told me or whatever. And he was like, I know, like, you know, whatever. And I was like, look, when I was working, delivering furniture and when I was doing like all that kind of shit, I was like, I was depressed. Like I was like, but the reason I didn't tell anyone was because not because I was afraid to is because I knew why I was depressed. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get me like, so I knew working in that place was what was getting me down and I needed to change it, but I couldn't make the change. I was afraid to give up the money and, and be like, cause it, music takes a lot of work, you know? And that's why when people say, would you not get a job? Like it takes a lot of work. And like, I can't put a definite time. I can't go today at nine. Okay. I'm going to get up at nine. I can, I, it's a great start to go. I'm going to get up. I'm going to start at nine. I'm going to treat it as a job. I'm going to take a break around one. And then I'm going to go back at work two till five. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to write a song in that time. Doesn't mean I'm going to get a song because it's creative and it's indefinite and it's art and it's, you know, subjective. Doesn't mean it's like if you if you're writing a play or anything like that, you might write something and then by the end of the day you're going that's shite and scrap it and then you've nothing. It feels like you've done nothing that day. So I kind of like because it took a lot of time. I was like I don't want to give up this money and go and do that and have like just no definition of like pay and no definite pay and no like uncertainty. It was just kind of the fear. So that's why I didn't take the jump then. But I released kind of to get back on the point of that I released a song called Nobody Like You that's when I started working with Rob again so I'd had that relationship with Rob from hometown he'd written us songs and I reached out to him I was like can I come down and uh, basically record a, an EP or whatever and he was like yeah man totally be amazing so I went down to him recorded a song put it out while I was in delivering furniture and stuff like that and then I did two more songs while I was there and like I got a great reception. It was the first thing I'd released since since the band and everyone loved it. And I just kind of was like, ah, you know, I'm still in this cycle. I'm releasing the music, but I'm still in this cycle. I'm not fully invested, you know? And I knew what it took from being in hometown. I knew it needed all my time and effort. So thankfully, enough of me saying I'm fucking leaving this job, they let me go uh, the following October as well. So they were just like, look, we're just gonna, we're gonna let you go. Um, and I was like, all right, okay. And like everyone was like, you should you should sue them for unfair dismissal. And I, I was like, I should fucking thank them because <laughs> yeah, I've gone. You know, I was there, like, it was bittersweet. I was like, yeah, okay. But it forced me, it gave me a kick up the hole to go fix your life. Mm. And uh, then after that, uh, it had been enough time where I'd kind of gone, okay, I'll work in pubs or I'll, I'll gig in pubs again. And I just started doing that then. Started getting back into the swing of that. And then I released Sofa, which got playlisted on 2FM. That was the first time I'd ever gotten any. Well, you would help me out with, there was another song, Drive, that you'd kind of played, but I knew there weren't radio. Like, you know, you listen to the radio and I know, but like a lot of people don't write for radio and that's the mindset I was in. I wasn't writing for the radio, but I knew it just wasn't going to get played. Um, Then I wrote Sofa. Sofa got playlisted on 2FM and Alan helped me out, Alan Swan. You helped me out, thankfully. And yeah, it just started kind of, from there then I really started like, it was like, okay, this is it. No, I'm not, no more, quote unquote real jobs and I'm really going for this and uh, released Sofa that that got all the playlists and then, and then released 
I don't want to. And then the, the Spotify thing started coming along where you can playlist or you can submit for playlisting on Spotify. So got a song, got you covered, released that. And uh, it got playlisted and got a million streams. And just every time I do something, you know, we're getting one step further away from uh, working like those jobs that I didn't get on in. And uh, one step closer to this being a, a, a living. But like I have to say, the gigging in the pub thing just suits the the thing down to the, down to the ground you know because you go there you can you can write from 9 a.m till fucking whatever time you want and then you have the gig at like most times it's probably like half nine till half 11 or half 10 till half 12 so but then they're gone now but anyways uh, yeah yeah of course yeah the um but and i would say to anybody that that, that doesn't know you that well i i know you from from, from gigging and speaking to your mom i mean you, yeah. you work you, you're very you're a very hard worker but it does seem that like and I know, you know, it's almost like the, the the grieving process took you the year almost. Like that was your, that was your, you know, you did your time, you did your therapy. I remember being living in Dublin when I was young, and uh, life wasn't great. And myself and Suzanne, we just we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, but we decided, look, let's just get the fuck out of Dublin, and we went to London and. I'd been drinking too much and going out too much and all that kind of stuff. So we went to London to just get away from the people we were hanging around with and just, and I remember working, I got this job. I'd gone for a job in a hotel as, you know, as a porter, like carrying bags, concierge, you know, at the front, at the front desk, but they, and they had a job for me, but I had to wait a month because the guy was leaving in a month and that would have been a good job because you get the tips and you're in London and it's a bit of crack or whatever. And I was young, but for the month before, your man left. They put me down in the laundress in the laundry. So basically, all the dirty sheets and uh. Uh, and pillowcases were coming down the chute. And it was my job every day to go in. It was one of the hottest summers ever. I was in London in a basement of a of a of an old hotel in 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 Kensington. All this dirty clothes coming down, and that was me. I was sweating. I lost what weight. Do do with them? Sort them. Sort them into piles. And then wrap them well, up. Like pillowcases with pillowcases. Pillowcases, pillowcases, sheets over here, sheets over there. And then, you know, and all sorts of shit come down with those pillows. Oh, yeah. And, and, and sheets. And, and basically, but, but it's a sweat box. You're sweating. I lost a bit of weight. I was off the drink for the month. Yeah. And it was like, it was almost like it was solitary confinement. It was like rehab. You know, yeah. that was my month. And then once that month was up, the other job came up. I was kind of, I was good. I was... I, I cleared out <laughs> I cleared out my system and yeah. uh, but it seems like it seems like you had a year to grieve and then it, you know you had that job to kind of even though you were you were down in the dumps you know the time the job finished kind of at the right time when you were ready to take your steps and then move forward and it all seems to you know it, it all seems to to make a lot of sense you know you, you kind of you nearly put yourself through therapy um yeah like you have to like learn a, a lesson every kind of time you know and i think the lesson from that was like to reiterate from hometown the taste of like having having the bit of success and, and having the insight to the music industry when i worked in that other job it just gave me the realization that oh yeah okay this is what you were wanting to do your whole life and this just kind of solidified that when i was working and delivering furniture and stuff it was just like this made me realize that i need to get out of here and i need to really go gung-ho at music whatever way you know and um yeah, i did then and I feel like we could, I don't know, I feel like I'm going to have to talk to you. I'm going to have to do, we'll have to do a part two sometime. We'll have to get yeah, you on yeah, again. Yeah. You've given me so yeah, much, like, so much time that's already. Not, that's not even like, you know, after that then it was just like, I mean, just to bring it up to date really quick then, it was just, I released an EP last year um, and then I met my manager, Niall uh, Morris, who manages uh, Wild Youth as well. 
So I met him last year and we've been working together and it's kind of, it's really, really exciting now because you've TikTok and I started TikTok during lockdown when all, everything went to shit and it was just like, what'll I do for, cause I've no gigs. Uh, I haven't had a gig since March. Um, it's just been like all my income's gone and I was just like, well, what'll I do? And I was just like, I'll do TikTok every day. And I started doing that. I started doing covers every day and bear in mind, I, I hadn't released music since last April but I had scheduled to release music this summer, but then everything went into lockdown. Me and Niall were like, we don't know if it's the right time. Let's just hold off, see how this plays out. And then, uh, yeah, I just started doing TikToks flat out. And then I had a song scheduled to release on like the 24th, maybe of, um, or the 25th of September. And then I, like I said, been doing TikTok since March and none took off like none. I think the most viewed one I got was like, 10k i think and i was like jesus you can see the little k beside it there that's class and then uh, i had 3100 and something followers and i sat down with evelyn my girlfriend last week and we had a, or not last week last month and we had a chat and she was like like you know gigs are uncertain coming back what are we going to do like we need you need some sort of income and i was like contemplating delivering for fucking chinese and stuff at night time so i could still do music and uh i said give me two months or three months to, to figure it out. Like, give me just before Christmas to figure it out. And then I sat down and uh, that song broke. Uh, the next day I wrote that. Like, I literally just, I wrote it. I was just like, fuck it. Like, I'm going to write a song. I just wrote down in my in my notes on my phone, broke. That was the title. I just wrote broke. No, con- like that was just, wasn't even a concept. It was just the first thing that came into my head was broke. And then I didn't know whether it was broke money-wise or broke mentally or, you know. So I just ended up, wrote it all in probably two hours start finish and uh evelyn came home and i was like here what you think of this played it and she kind of like looked at me laughing you know first and then she was like play it again when it was finished she's like it's really fucking good and i was like really i was like is it is it not like a joke song like and she was like because oh, uh, writing it i didn't feel like it was a joke song in the verses but the chorus felt like ah fucking i'm broke like yeah you know, it just felt a bit bit jokey and she was like, no, like she was like, I can't, it's, it's already in my head. And I was like, all right, cool. And then uh, I sent it to my manager and he was like, fuck. He was like, I don't think I've ever felt as many feelings in one minute and a half. I think I'd only sent them. And he was like, what's the crack with it? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, he was like, it could be one of them ones that like just TikTok likes. And I was like, sure, look, I put it up, got 30,000 views in a day, which I, like I said, 10,000 was the first one. And that, that had taken two or three months to get 10,000. This one got 30,000 in one night. I was like, okay, like the people are obviously feeling this one. And then this girl told me to get a job. Uh, she, she, she wrote underneath it saying, hmm, maybe get a job. And I was, which I was kind of expecting, you know, cause I know some people would be like, shut up. Like, you know, just get a fucking job. Like if you're, if you're screaming into the microphone that you're broke, broke yeah. get a job, which yeah, duh, that's the, the easy explanation for it. Um, but, so I just, I just seen an opportunity there to kind of clap back at her. And uh, I did with the, telling her why I actually don't have a job, that I did have a job before this coronavirus, like many other people, you know. And people just and, kind of connected with that. And, and you made that into the second verse. Whatever. I, I made that into another. Yeah. yeah, I already had a second verse. That's what I'm saying. I had the full song, you know. But I just like, I seen an opportunity there to kind of, to kind of get a bit of a dig and show that like, it's, it's fun, you know. Like I don't, I don't take them comments to heart. Grand, yeah, okay, I was expecting them. So it's like to turn around, like, you know, some people get so uptight about that and they'd be like, they'd be nearly like upset about it for the evening going, oh, they told me to get a job. You know, I was like, here we go. Thanks for the fuel. Alison was her name. So I just yeah. turned it into the song and 
then I had the Charlie Poot stuff and I went from 3,000 followers to now I'm on 112 nearly. So 112,000 followers and there's record labels re- reaching out. So like to to retrospectively look back at say just after hometown where I was lost in the dumps delivering furniture to people's houses who were still kind of recognizing me. I got bitten by a fucking dog one time going into someone's house. That wasn't my turn. I'm sitting here now going, I've got a top 30 single in Ireland with an artist I've been writing with for three years. I've got 112,000 TikTok followers, which three months ago I would have said, nah, there's no chance it's not working. It's just not TikTok's not working for me. And I had a meeting with record label the other night and, you know, chatting to people, people are reaching out. People in Sirius XM in America are, are on to me being like, your fucking sound is great. Like it's so unique, blah, blah. And I'm like, I've been here the whole time. It's just like, it's a little bit of like, you know, gratitude kind of comes with it. Um, and you kind of feel like, you know, it's only when you do look in hindsight, you're like, ah, oh, like I'm, I have to kind of thank my lucky stars where I am right now and the hard work and I'd say I've only really been like, I know you were kind of saying earlier that like, you know me from my mom and stuff and even just from around town being hard working. I haven't worked as hard in my life as I have in the last few months. Like, you know, because it's nothing to do. It kind of really forced me and feel bad saying like coronavirus is kind of a good thing for me, but it's kind of made me realize that again, you need to work harder. Like, no, you know, there's a saying that I love and it's like, nobody cares, work harder. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> whether what excuse you have, like, oh, gee, like, my dog just died there. I Sorry, I won't be able to do that gig. All right, Seamus there is going to hop in and do the gig and take your opportunity and go. And it's like, I, I always keep that in the back of my head at some point. Just go, if I'm ever feeling like, oh, fucking like, you know, I don't know if I'll do this. Like, it's just like, well, no one cares. Work harder. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, I've got, in a lot of ways, I'm starting, starting from scratch myself and it's just, what are you going to do? You're just going to get out there and, Nothing you can do. do. Just just work, you know. You, no one's going to give you. No one's waiting for you. Exactly. No one's waiting for you down the road. Going, oh yeah, here you are, cute. Here's a job. Here's a thing. Yeah. Here's, here's they, a- they don't like you know. In a nice way, they don't. They don't care if you do or don't do it, you know. But until you build, you know, the audience, then then that's when they want to keep you there, you know. Yeah. But like right now, if you just said, "I don't want to do podcasts. I give up radio. I just want to chill out." People be like, "All right, cool." No one's gonna come. No one's gonna sort of make you put a no, yeah, no one's in gonna front of you. Keep, you were so good on the radio. You need to get into podcasts. I'm gonna fucking kick you up the hole and get you to do it. I'm like, oh, you don't want to do it, okay? Because even with this, with the podcast, I, I record the podcast. I contact the guests. I record. I edit it. I put it up. I, you know, there's no, there's no machine. You know, it's yeah. you just you either do it or you don't, and no one gives a shit. You know? Yeah, it's um, all to start though. That's but you but you, you have to do it uh, and mm-hmm. and you have to keep going. Listen, man, I've taken up so much of your time, and maybe I'll just no, have to get you on, get you on another time. Yeah, uh, keep, keep doing what you're doing, and uh, thanks. You I, too, I, I, I commend will... you for uh, the rebirth. <laughs> if you this, want to use that word, but, this is but, the rise like a phoenix. Yeah, but even the th- the, the reason I went to th- therapy at the start was because and and you talked to you've talked. I mean, even that song "I'm Broke," you've turned your adversity into a positive. You know, mm. and and, and the one man show that I've written that I'm start, I'll be announcing the tour dates next week and I'm touring the country with it. But that was all about losing the job in 2FM. And it was like, okay, well, how, what am I going to do with this, this shit that's happened to me? Yeah. What am I going to do? Am I going to feel sorry for myself? Am I going to go, I can turn it into something. I'll turn it into a show. People might want to see it. And then, exactly, yeah. and, and then next thing you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing a tour, which is, 
which is the same as you, you know, it's the same, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a same, this story is told the world over and you hear it from people yeah. who work in the industry and work in other industries. You just, you, you know, shit happens. And I went to therapy because I, I need to make sure my head is right so I can deal with this. Yeah. And I need to be the best yeah. version of myself when it gets to the point that, you know, that, that, that comes out of the work that I'm ready to get on with it, you know? Mm. So, that's why I have these chats and that's why I want to do the podcast because I want to find out, you know, what's going on with people and where they're at. And I think other people can learn from it. And I think you're, you're, a, you're a lesson in, uh, in hard work and, uh, and just being sound and, and mm. just getting on with it. And, and Hopefully now the next year it'll be all, you know, a little bit more solidified as, you know, like, yeah, that's the thing that you can't stop and go, Oh yeah. Like solidified as success. Yeah. Like when I'm financially stable, to be like, okay, there's no worries here. It's not gonna just drop away. Like you know, and it can with the labels and stuff, if and like that. You know, that can drop away. But it's like once you're kind of getting the income, it's kind of like, okay, let's try and breathe. That's 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 my kind of goal is to be financially stable. Yeah, and try and breathe in your successes as they come as well. Try and enjoy them. Yeah. Smell the roses. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, man, mind yourself. Thanks very much All right. for your you time. Too, Loads of time. Thanks for having me. I'll see you, you. I'll see you in the gym gym sometime. Yeah, go see me running by your gaff. I'll be I'll be moving beds into your big house in a few this time <laughs> next year. Take them apart, man. That furniture's <laughs> literally that's what happened me that's what had me real quick in there. It was just in and out. I was like, I'm out here. <laughs> Done this before. Um, yeah, man, thanks for having me and uh, best of luck with everything and you don't need it. You're you're well able to talk, but hopefully the uh Hopefully everything just happens. Yeah, look, man, if this doesn't work out, just give me a shout. I can help you on the road. Like, I can do shit. I can carry shit. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. Just road bear me in mind. Bear me in mind. Oh, yeah. I'm always looking for them. If you need a guy, man, you know? a PA, or whatever, you know, I can be your I can be your guy, you know? You might do a tour, me, you, and Christy Moore. And Brilliant. Awesome. Top of Newbridge, man. <laughs> Newbridge on tour. Newbridge on tour, yeah. Good luck. Right, thanks, Ryan. Good luck, man. Talk to you soon. Good luck. Bye, 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 bye. There you have it. That was Ryan Mack, formerly of the band Hometown, and now just Ryan Mack, the brilliant Ryan Mack. Watch him go. He is going to... I'm hoping that it takes off for him big style. I'm I'm presuming it will. And then retrospectively, all these people will come back and listen to that interview on uh, the Keith Watch podcast, and they'll be like, that was just before he went stellar. And he'll be like... He'll be like, you know... Ariana Grande or something, you know, huge. And Ireland's first, like, major, big-time pop star. Um, bigger than Sinead O'Connor. Huge. Bigger than Boyzone. Bigger than Westlife. Huge in America. And uh, we'll all be we'll all be so proud of him. And uh, you'll be able to listen back to the interview with me before he, you know, before he moved into a mansion in L.A., Ryan, by the way, if you're listening to this, I want an invite to that mansion in LA when, you know, first party, me, me and the missus. Thanks very much. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, if you do enjoy it, please give me a five star rating. I I don't really accept four stars or three stars, just five stars. Yeah, the other ones, I don't, I don't think the lower stars work really. So just a five star rating, subscribe and tell your friends. And if you get a chance, if you could share it on social media, I'd be ever so grateful. I would be ever so grateful. Thank you very much. Uh, I have to give a shout out to, I do give out the email address here from time to time. It's keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com or simply keithwalshpod at gmail.com. And I got a lovely email from Mike, not Mike, 
not podcast Mike from Clare. No, this is Mike in Limerick. Different Mike altogether. Mike Michael Murphy. And uh, he says, uh, <laughs> I'm not surely, I'm not surely, I'm not entirely sure why I decided to contact you. And uh, he says, uh, primarily to say, well done and best of luck with the podcast venture. Um, he says, uh, I should point out that I'm also writing to say thanks as it is, as it is uh, proving to be very ther- therapeutic for me listening to you and your various guests. And he goes on to uh, to talk about some of the guests and the characters I've had on and, and Mike. He's lots of nice things to say about our Mike, uh, podcast Mike. And that is from Mike and Limerick. Mike and Limerick, thank you very much. Uh, meant a lot to me. Really enjoyed uh, getting your uh, getting your email and reading it, and very well put together. So thank you very much for taking the time out, big into the run, and uh, something similar story. He said uh, he kind of lost his job and struggled a little bit, and got a new job, and has now found a new um, a newfound newfound appreciation for life and the, the finer things in life, and. Enjoy, says, he says he kind of enjoys life more goes out of his way to find to do things that that he enjoys and I think that's a very important message um, to sound like <laughs> Father Keith there and hello Father Keith here that's a very important message isn't it that we find things that we enjoy and we go out and go out of our way to find the en- the enjoyment in life uh, but no Mike is, Mike is spot on uh, I I'm trying to get back into the running, Mike. It's a while since I, I've always tipped away at it a little bit, but I've been, I've gotten very bad recently. Uh, so I joined the running club at Newbridge. I think it's called the Newbridge Running Club. Uh, my first night was Wednesday night. Yesterday, I rocked up there, going, "Yeah, here we go. Let's do this." A couple of warm up laps. When I say a couple, I don't know five, and then the whistle blew, and it was ten by four hundred meter sprints. I say sprints I mean I was running fast as fast as I could um, so that was a sort of a baptism of fire for me my legs are very sore today so I didn't run at all today I might do a little bit tomorrow but um, nice to be back and Michael thanks for getting in touch and you enjoy your running uh, keithwalsh.walsh at gmail.com or keithwalshpod at gmail.com or you can direct message me I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram have a look for me you'll find me fairly easily as I said before, I'm not the I'm not Keith Walsh from that lives in New York from Dublin, the skateboarder, or the solicitor. Neither of those people. Um anyway, I should really wrap this up. Uh, I felt like I had something in my head to say, but I clearly don't. It's just late and I'm tired and I need to go. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Um do get in touch, do give us a rating, and mind yourselves, mind how you go, and you know, we'll get through this. You know, we've been here before, have we? Oh, sorry, <laughs> we haven't been here before, apparently. Uh, oh, yeah, yes, yes. One more thing, I wanted, to, I want to plug the show again. So the show is called Pure Mental, uh, the Irish National Tour. Hopefully, it'll go ahead, kicking off on the sixth of November in the Mill Theatre, Dundrum. We go to Dundalk, we go to Blanchardstown, we go to Bray, we go to Kilkenny, we go to Portlaoise, we go to Thurlist, Cork, Limerick, Ennis, and Castlebar. Uh, I think the last one is Watergate, Kilkenny, and that's. In December, it could be December 4th, it could be December 5th actually, I think it's December 5th. Uh, so get along to your local theatre, if I mentioned it there, buy the tickets, you can follow me on Instagram or Twitter to find out how and where we will be. I must put up a few reminders. 
so yeah, come along and support it. Uh, we've been working hard at it. Hopefully, the theatres will be allowed open for us to do it. And if it does happen, it will be tremendous. Uh, and I think it's a good show. Like, it's one of the... It's the one thing I've done so far in my career that I'm incredibly proud of and I want to do really well. And it kills me every day I rehearse when I'm not doing it brilliantly. So I just keep working hard so that it will get to the point by the time you guys see it that it's brilliant. That's it for me. I gotta go. I'm just signing off. That's it. From now on, I just say goodbye and go. And that's it. Okay? Goodbye. Go. And that's it. That's all you need to do. Say goodbye. It's very hard to say goodbye though, isn't it? It's just... Goodbye is... Is that, is that a song? Goodbye is always the hardest word. Should be a song. Goodbye. Okay. Now I'm going to start singing so I really better go. Good luck. See you. Mind yourself. Be, behave. Behave. Be good. What's your man Terrence used to say on the radio? Stand by the wall and mind the buses. And who is turns? Anybody? Class? Bueller? Anybody? Yes. John Creedon. Now, I'll leave you on that bombshell. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 